Welcome to RPG Cast episode 390 for the week of July 2nd, 2016. I'm your host, Chris Riveteer. Um, I'm here with my two cats who are harassing me simultaneously because they know the show's about to start. Uh, but I'm not alone. I am joined by RP Gamer, intentional podcaster, Kelly Jordan. <laughs> what? That joke's Kelly, never gonna die. Kelly O'Hanahan. Uh, wait, Irish. Kelly. Kelly O'Brien. O'Hanahan. <laughs> Kelly something. Hi, Kelly. Hi. <laughs> I'll get it someday. Kelly Ryan. Ryan! Ryan isn't Irish. Is it? Yes, it is. Oh, okay. It's very normal. It's two first... The Kelly with two first names. Her also- grandfather and longtime coach, Buddy Ryan, died this week. Aww. Sad day. Aww. Aww. The old defensive coordinator for the 85 Bears. The Bears. The Bears. The Bears. Yep. Jonathan Stringer joins us. Yeah, I'm back. You're back after a long hiatus. Yep. Justify yourself. Um, I got a new job. Okay, that works. And then went out of town on vacation, and then did a land party, and then you're at E3, so. Yeah, that's a good just point. Just kind of worked. And then we were <laughs> dead after E3. Yep. Ah. Uh, Alice Wilkinson is here. Yeah, yeah, as always. <laughs> okay. Or as much as I try to be, anyway. <laughs> uh, and finally, Anna Marie Privateer. I'm here under duress. So am I. We both just want to sleep more. We've been, like, dead since E3. We got sick bad. So. Con sorry. crud. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. But yeah, that's how it's been going for us. Ah, uh, but we're here today. We're back to join you for the U.S. Independence Day weekend, the weekend after Canada Day, depending on how you want to view it. <coughs> America. Can- Canada Day, the, the day nobody knows how to properly celebrate. I know because I've tried to research it because I'm married to a Canadian. It doesn't work right. I thought you just all went and bought some Tim Hortons and yeah, watched where? some hockey. I'm, yeah, they don't have that in Wisconsin. Yeah, no, I mean, typically it's a day you get together with your family. So I kind of have a problem. So I didn't get to the day. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what else it is? It is also JRPG July. Yes! It's the second day Woo-hoo. of JRPG July. <laughs> Celebrate, everybody. Woo! <coughs> I think I'm celebrating celebrating by playing a bunch of non-JRPGs. I am celebrating by finishing Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE today. Mm-hmm. I have played over 50 hours of that game in the last week. I am like at the final boss. Chris should celebrate by playing Suikoden. I should, <laughs> but I won't. <laughs> Uh, Chris is never going to play Suicoden. Code. Yeah, no, I'm just going to have to remind him every podcast. So. You should you keep it up. It'll, no, it'll get definitely. There. So, Kelly, you've been playing um, Sharp You've been F-E playing as well. everything. 
How, yeah, how far uh, are I've, you? Let's start with you, and then I'll jump in, because I'm way further than you. Um, I've had horrible gaming F uh, ADD. I am only on the prologue right now. I didn't get a chance to play much of it last week because I was doing kind of extra work for the podcast. Um, I have I have enjoyed what I'm playing. I like that it is a persona with Fire Emblem characters as your personas. Yes. And I that also... Is, that, is, that is how I it works. Also like, <laughs> Yeah, I also liked uh, who the shop owner was. Yes, the shop owner is Anna. And Anna. <laughs> and Anna. And Anna. And Anna. And, and lots Anna, of Annas. And Anna. Yeah. yeah. No, I had to count. That's <clears throat> a lot of Annas you just counted. Yes. Are they all in the game? Yep. Oh. There are seven. At least that I can think of. Yeah, seven sounds right. Okay, my cat is having a fit, Anna. What is she doing? I don't know. Okay. I don't care. All right. <clears throat> She's okay if you can hear this on the show. She's just losing her mind. She's she got a ball a in her mouth and she does this thing. It's her ritual. Like, I will walk around with a ball in my mouth and shout at the top of my lungs. Yeah. Because I'm a cat. <laughs> it's a gimp suit. So, um, so Sharp FE, Fire Emblem, SMT, Cross, Sin Megami Tensei, Cross, Fire Emblem, Cross, Sailor Moon, Cross, Anime. Yeah, and so um, the premise of the game is that you're, you're Itsuke, a high school Itsuki! student. Itsuki! And um, <coughs> your friend Tsubasa wants to be an idol like her older sister. Her older sister disappeared in the incident five years ago where everybody in a theater except for Subasa disappeared. And basically you end up um, all inheriting personas. I mean, mirages. I mean, Fire Emblem characters. Yeah. Um, and you end up joining the Fortuna Talent Agency and the everybody who works at the Fortuna Talent Agency, it turns out, is a Mirage Master. And so it's kind of cool. It's got this really good mix of, like, serious business, at least serious business for this world, and, like, total slapstick comedy. So, like, you will have sort of this serious moment where people will have, like, major personality growth, and then Subasa will like start to stutter and completely blab out the wrong thing, and it's kind of funny. So basically, like Persona Four, then. Yeah, it is. It is very Persona. Does it have social in terms links? Of story. Yes and no. So it has sort of a similar system called um, stage ranks, and you gain stage rank by having people in your party or by having them included in sessions. And I'll get into sessions in a minute. Um, and so as people um, increasingly go up in stage rank, they unlock missions. And there's three of these side missions per character, and they unlock more about the character, more abilities that they can do, special things that you can't get any other way. <clears throat> um, so in terms of combat, it is kind of a mix between 
Um, a lot of things. So it's turn-based combat where the turns are at the top of the screen and they tell you um, in which order the, you and the enemies are going to go. Um, it has the weaknesses and resistances system from both Shin Megami Tensei and Fire Emblem. So on top of the fact that, you know, things are weak or strong to Zio or Bufu, etc., everybody is <coughs> um, part of the weapons triangle from Fire Emblem. So if you're a lance user, you're weak to axes and strong to swords. I hope I didn't get that backwards. But yeah, it's it's got all that weapon triangle in it. Um, and the press turn system. And the press turn system. And so this is where um, sessions come in. So um, it's kind of an evolution of the press turn system that's in like classic Shin Megami Tensei games as opposed to Persona where it's like a one more turn. Um, I, I'm not familiar with what the press turn system is. Um, the pressed, um, so in Shin Megami Tensei games, basically you have X amount of actions that are part of your turn. And if you do something that the enemy is weak to, or you get a critical, um, you get what's called a press turn, which is kind of a half turn. It gets you more actions than if you had done something that they weren't weak to is the TLDR. Okay. So how do you take half an action? Um, it just works. Uh, you'd oh. have to play an SMT game to kind of get it. All right. And so in Tokyo Mirage Sessions, um, if you do some, if you hit a critical attack or if you do a special attack or if you hit their weak point, um, you start to build what's called a session. And basically all of the characters start to get follow-up abilities. So like um, Itsuki might get... Um, sword to lightning and so anybody else in his party that does a sword attack he can then follow up with a lightning attack and then you might have someone else in your party that's like plasma to arrows and so anytime someone does a lightning attack they then shoot something with their bow and so you start to sort of customize your party based on um, which people have which follow-up attacks and then later on in the game, you actually start to gain the ability for people not in your party to jump in on session attacks. And then you start to get enemies that um, sort of cheat the system. So the, the way that the enemies' resistances and weaknesses are set up, if you have certain people in your party or certain people out of your party, you will get a better or l not quite as good session going. So <coughs> not only does the game give you an opportunity to create these sessions, but it also gives you puzzles that you have to solve. It's like, well, how do I get the best session out of my weakness attack on this particular enemy? So you end up getting, I believe, seven party members in total. Itsuki always has to be in your party, which means the other two slots are basically rotated between the other six people. Um, so the only, uh, complaint I have about that is because Itsuki's in the party all the time, unless you do some finagling with the EXP DLC, he will always be your highest level character. And that can be kind of bad because, um, enemies are visible on screen and there's actually three different kinds of enemies that you can encounter. 
So like 99% of the time you'll encounter a red mirage and they're just your standard typical enemy. But you can also encounter what are called savage mirages, which are black, and rare mirages, which are golden. Um, savage mirages are always much harder than the typical enemies. And in fact, um, savage mirages are always um, based on the highest level character in your party. So if you have Itsuki at 30 and all of your other characters are between 26 and 27, a savage enemy is probably going to wipe you out. So you do kind of have to think about who you're leveling and when and probably get the XP DLC to kind of even people out. <coughs> um, yeah, it's a cool system. And you can swap people in and out anytime it's their turn. So you can change between cast members as you see fit and as the situation arises that you need them. So it's cool. And everybody gets these. Uh, you get like a special meter, uh, star meter, star power that charges up at the top. And it charges based on how long your sessions are and how frequently you session. And you can use that special SP to um, set off really cool large attacks that are based off of um, non-combat things that you do so as you go through these missions um, like you might have a character that does a music video or like uh, an episode of a TV show and then they actually get a special attack based on that music video or TV show that they can then use in combat so it's cool kind of doing all of the story stuff because it is really relevant to, to staying competitive in combat too yeah, I don't want to spoil the story too much. But no, spoil all the stories. There's, there's, no, uh, don't. All, all of your mirages are Fire Emblem characters, and basically they're all from Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon. I, otherwise, no, they're not. the first Fire Emblem game, or they're from Fire Emblem Awakening. Yeah. So it's basically 1 and 13, and that's it. So hopefully you're familiar with one or both of those games. Um, and if not, it doesn't really matter. Mm, it doesn't. I mean, even people that just played Awakening should have a vague understanding of those old characters because they were available in free DLC. But yeah, ever since the mysterious disappearance five years ago, um, mirages have started to appear in the world, and so you have people that are that have been very long-time Mirage Masters, you have people that are former Mirage Masters, and you have people like Itsuke and Tsubasa who are brand new Mirage Masters. And you also meet people that have the potential to be Mirage Masters, but aren't yet. So, yeah. oh, it sounds like it's going to be a nice little tidbit to tide us over until Persona 5. Oh, I'm loving the game It so does much. seem like that, yeah. It's, it's a good Persona holdover. Yes. And then I kind of played Atelier Sophie, um, but mostly I played Finding a Vita Charging Court in L.A. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... As we were on the way to the I airport. got one delivered to an Amazon <laughs> locker. It was fun. So as we were like on the road to the airport to go to E3, I looked at Chris and I'm like, oh, I didn't pack the Vita charger. So I turned around. No, and, but we couldn't turn around because we didn't really have the time to do so. And I'm not going to blame Chris, but he's the one that took it out of my bag. For you. But anyway, see, that's the 
that's the nice thing about having the newer Vita. That's the nice thing about having the newer Vita is that all I need is a cell phone charger. Really? Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna keep that in mind. So. No wonder they're not making those cords anymore. Yeah. yeah but then you don't have that sweet screen. You'd have to give up that awesome yeah. OLED screen. So on the way to the airport, I ordered what I thought was a Vita cord. Only to discover when it showed up. She ordered the half room, of the Vita cord and not the half that half she needed. half a Vita cord. Yeah. And it wasn't the half that we needed. I had no idea that the Vita cord was in two friggin' pieces. Yeah. The what useful the half hell? and the part that plugs into the wall. Yeah. That's how Sony gets you. So I was, I was... I wasn't even mad. I was, this is hilarious, and I can't play my game. And that kind of disappointed me, but I I brought my 3DS, and so I was playing my 3DS instead. And then finally, Chris came home, or Chris came back to the hotel and saw what had happened, and so he ordered the useful half of the cord and got it at an Amazon locker, and we couldn't do that before. That was cool. They don't do that in Wisconsin. No. So yeah, that was uh, me playing Finding a Vita Charger Court. <laughs> so I've I've only played a little bit of Atelier Sophie because I'm realizing very quickly that my enjoyment of playing Atelier Sophie comes with playing with a guide. Yeah, I discovered it is so easy to get stuck in that game, and it's so new that Game Facts pretty much just okay. Have have people figured this out yet? No. Okay, run around, experiment more. Okay, now people have figured this out. Right. And so I'm actually going to, I've actually stopped playing it, and I'm basically going to wait a couple months and see if a good guide crops up. Because, I mean, there have been all of the other Vita games, or all of the other Atelier games, it's the same three or four people that make all of the guides. And so I'm really hoping that someone will step up and make one for Sophie soon, because I'm pathetic. That's what I'm going to do, too. Maybe maybe you could just play it without a guide. I don't enjoy it. <laughs> um, <coughs> part of the problem is that there is a discovery element with this particular game. And some of the discovery stuff, I don't want to say is random, but is very obtuse and not obvious what you need to do. Hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense or not. And it knows what I'm probably talking about. Yep, that totally makes sense to me. So, yeah, I think I'm going to leave Sophie for now. But it's JRPG July, and I'm going to finish Sharp Fire Emblem today. So I have to decide what I'm going to play next. I've had a few people request that I stream um, SMRPG because it came out on the Wii U Virtual Console. Um, but if people have other suggestions for what they might like to see me stream during JRPG July, just uh, give a shout on Twitter or our forums or, you know, shoot us an email. So, yeah. I'll actually be I, able to. That's what I've been playing. I'll Who's be, next? <laughs> I'll be able to watch you stream in Super Mario RPG because I haven't wanted to watch your <laughs> Tokyo Mirage session stream. No, I and that's spoilers. been the funny thing is, is the further that I get into the game, the more I have people dropping off the stream, not because they're uninterested, but because it's people that don't, that actually realize that, oh, hey, this game is actually way cooler than I anticipated it was going to be. And now I really want to play it for myself. Mm. I've heard a lot of people say that, that 
word of mouth has kind of gotten around that the game is really good and even jrpg fans have wanted to check it out or non-jrpg fans have wanted to check it out Mm -hmm. so what else have you been playing kelly well, I had my wisdom teeth out a couple of weeks ago, and I used that opportunity to finally finish up Bravely Second. Oh. And what's funny is that there is a uh, moment in the game where there it does your face on the front-facing camera. So it's supposed to be this beautiful moment, and I see my swollen, drooling face popping out. Oh. With it's like, thank you, game, for reminding me that I look like a bullfrog. <laughs> and then there's also a fourth wall-breaking moment near the ending mm-hmm. that, had I been on more painkillers, would have freaked me the hell out. Oh, yeah? Um, I don't know if I can spoil it or no, not. No, you shouldn't spoil it yet. Okay. Well, I'm just saying that don't believe the game. Okay. And don't do drugs while playing the game. Don't do drugs is probably the important <laughs> lesson. <laughs> Oh, I was on painkillers. I had an excuse. And then I, I've actually been cleaning, doing a lot of cleaning up on games that I've been trying to finish because I picked back up Legend of Legacy and finished that. And that is the most masochistic game I have ever played in my entire oh, life. Why do you say that? What does it make you I would do? go in. I would go in and get my butt beat and be like, no, I'm not going to let this game beat me. I'm going to beat this game. And the the thing with Legend of Legacy is that it's kind of like Dark Souls and that you have to really know what you're doing. There's kind of a, a rhythm to the battles. And if you're off even by a little bit with the rhythm of the battles, you're going to die. And because it's a saga game, uh, grinding to get stronger to kind of overcome the challenges in it is very random. You're not guaranteed that you're going to get any sort of stat ups. And the final boss kind of reflected that because I think, would think I would be doing okay and then it would do an AoE attack and wipe out my whole party. Hmm. Much to the point to where when I finally beat the thing, I was genuinely shocked. And I don't know. It's like I really like the game, but I can understand why people were turned off by it. Mm. It had a really cool art style, but the story kind of wasn't there. But I really did like the battle. I don't think system. I was even able to make it through the demo for that game. Yeah, and I know Anna said that she kind of gave up on it. Yeah, she did. Yeah. So, hmm. So. I finished that, and now I'm trying to finish Stella Glow and my pile of trying to beat crap that I bought collector's editions of last year. Admiral Yes. And I kind of put Tokyo Mirage Sessions on hold so that I could start up Wild Arms 5 for JRPG July. Wait, but doesn't Tokyo Mirage Sessions count as a JRPG? Yeah, but I... Well... Anna was playing it, but I didn't know that she was going to beat it right away. And I kind of wanted to use JRPG July as an opportunity to pick something from my backlog. Okay. I mean, I'm a collector. I have a huge backlog. I'm never going to get through it in my lifetime. But I wanted to kind of pick something that I really 
felt bad for not finishing. Yeah. Well, you should and feel I'm a, bad. Uh, I, I'm a huge Wild Arms fan. Um, the original game is probably one of my favorite games of all time. And granted, the sequels haven't been that great. But Wild Arms 5 has one of the most interesting narrative hooks I've ever seen in a JRPG. That, you know, it starts off with a golem hand falling out of the sky holding a girl. Mm-hmm. And that's quite... Trying to find out what the story behind that is is just interesting as hell to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I started that last night, and I've been kind of tweeting about it. I'm going to try and see how far I can get into it if I'm not too busy this week. And I think that's all I've been playing. Yes, that is all I've been playing. Well. That's uh. That seems like plenty to me. It's like seventeen games, five. Are you gonna? I mean, you finished one. Did you finish Legacy or not? Yes, I did finish Legacy. Okay, good. So it all took right. Me, You're down to. It just took a me few. a week. It took me like three days to get past that final boss. Right, it was the final boss that you're on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 Well, let's see. What have I been playing? I've had a weird experience, so. Um, I was at E3, of course, and then while I was there, I, every year when I go to E3, like I have this um, philosophical quandary about gaming, what I should be doing with my time, and what games to play, what's the point of gaming, and how much of my time should be spent doing it, and should I be doing games that people know, people don't know, should I be gaming for the sake of the podcast, for my own sake, for nobody's sake, should I give up gaming? So... <coughs> You know, the, I, I posted this quandary to Twitter, more or less, and the feedback that came back was 100% the same. Just play something fun. Play something fun. Play something that you'll have fun with. Play something you'll have fun with. Like, <laughs> no variance at all whatsoever in any of the feedback. It was like, oh, well, um, I, I don't know. I would have fun with lots of things. That doesn't 100% help. So what I did was parlay that into, well, I have all these anxieties around gaming, so I started making a list. What are the games that that always make me feel anxious, like, oh, why haven't I finished this yet? Why haven't I finished this, this yet? And, I, and I, I pared it down to just a list of series. And so um, I made that list, and I was like, oh, this is a good list. These are the, if, I, if I trust my anxieties to be some sort of insightful view into my subconscious of like what I actually just want to play and feel bad that I have, and that I would have fun playing or have fun experiencing and I haven't been doing, well, why don't I focus on just those series and picking things out or out of that list that I, you know, was real excited for and, and wanted to play through. And so I've been working on titles in that list. And um, the first one was a title that I got um, re-excited for out of the Bethesda press conference. And so I picked up and played through all of Dishonored on my PC. So because I was looking forward to Dishonored too. And I said, oh, Dishonored, that was the game I tried on console, and I gave up because there was so much blinking and, and control stuff that I needed to do, and I couldn't do it with the controller, and oh my gosh. And then I picked it up on PC and never got around to playing it because of the bad experience I had on console. So this time, you know, I said, all right, I'm going to do this. This is going to be great. And if I need to, I've got Cheat Engine to act as a, tr as a crutch. Um, so let's see how this works. And I, you know, lo and behold, I jumped into Dishonored and was like, oh, what do you know? Keyboard and mouse plays perfectly. 
and I can control things again. And it's this first-person game acts like a first-person game. And so I've been stealthing around, teleporting around people, and and well, quote unquote, assassinating them because I'm doing a mostly non-lethal playthrough. And uh, yeah, I've been having lots of fun with that and waiting for it being all stealthy. And it's like, yes, it's a stealth game with with controls that I can use now. And oh, I'm having fun. So I played through all of Dishonored and like the 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 dub. Uh, the Dow DLC stuff, and I finished that. So that actually went pretty quick. And so that's checked off my list, and that was good. Um, and then I downloaded the Doom demo, and I said, I'm going to play through the Doom demo because they made a demo for Doom. And I'm like, well, let's check this out. Yeah, I know it's not RPG. Shut up. I'll get, I'll get to RPGs later. But it, it's a Doom demo, and um, who am I telling to shut up? I'm telling myself to shut up, aren't I? Um, oh more introspective philosophical quandaries about what's what I should be playing. Should I never play non-RPGs? Oh, questions for the ages. Um, so I was playing through the Doom demo and I found out, hey, I really like how they handle the Doom guy and the and the little story bits and how irreverent and stupid, like, how, how it plays with, like, the traditional audio log things and first-person shooters and kind of makes fun of them and, and shows kind of how silly the whole thing is. And it, the, for a first level demo, it was pretty good. And so I picked up Doom and I'm going to play through that. Um, and, but that's not all. <clears throat> I also, you know, one of the things on my list was I've never finished a four job fiesta. So four job fiesta is a thing done for charity every year. Um, it's where you play through Final Fantasy V and uh, a Twitter bot assigns you based on the, you have some options to choose, but you will be assigned the four jobs that you get to use for your characters, and it's only those four jobs, and one of your characters has to be each of the jobs. Um, I've signed up for this multiple years in a row, and I'm pleased to report that this is the first year I've completed it. Woo! Yay! I finished Four Job Fiesta, and this is an RPG. It's Final Fantasy V. It's my the only second time that I've completed Final Fantasy V. I did it on the PC... Um, using a bunch of mods suggested in um, uh, a NeoGAF thread that helped the PC version not look ugly. Um, it, it only helps to some degree, but it does make a lot of difference. That. Yeah, it gets rid of the, the filtering that blurs everything. It helps some with the, the tile borders. <coughs> um, it fixes the coloring of people's hair and stuff in the portraits. Um, and what else did I fix? I forget what else. I didn't... There was no cheating. I played the game legitimately. That's kind of, you know, this is a challenge, so you can't really do cheating in a challenge. That doesn't make any sense. Um, so that is... Uh, that was Final Fantasy V. I had... What, it, what were my jobs? Um, my jobs were Black Mage, Ninja, Dancer, and Samurai. And black it's not too bad of a party. No, and black mage can blow up most he things. Was on, um, um, he was on like a, a he was on chaos, and so the first job that he got was dancer. Yeah, so I stayed which as is freelancer. Like the third crystal. Yeah. yeah. That that ended up not being a big deal, Anna, because you know that's mostly through early game, and then you get all the jobs unlocked that matter, and so you're you're good to go. Okay. Um, it was so, a it was a big deal early on, but then it ultimately was not a big deal. But so, so it picks the jobs from the beginning. 
Yeah, it can, depending on what settings you choose. So I chose chaos, which oh. means you will be assigned jobs. Um, most, uh, default run will actually pick a wind crystal job for your first job and a water crystal job for your second job and a, and so on. Um, here, it will pick one from each crystal. Well, no, not in chaos. Chaos is, di is the only one where it might be different. Chaos um, is you will be assigned a job. Yeah. Um, but you can do either different settings. You can do random jobs. You can sign up for essentially a quad berserker run if you want like the ultimate and challenge. Um, all sorts of, of different things. You can you could say I only want physical jobs or I only want magic user jobs. Um, yeah, all sorts of, of things you can do in there. Um, and they're raising money for, for child's play. Um, there are people who are donating based on how many people complete the challenge. There are people donating like if they complete the challenge people donating if they don't complete the challenge you know whatever you want to do it's it's very open but if you go to fourjobfiesta.com right is that the website anna i, I never remember ff54j four 4j four ff54 four it's fourjobfiesta.com f o u r is this a huh is this a yearly thing yes, yes. it is and in okay. fact he has launched a patreon because he wants to start dedicating himself like specifically to more work on not only the four job fiesta on three things the four job fiesta for final fantasy V, a second set of runs like this for a different game and he actually wants to develop a final fantasy v-esque game which would be the idea would be is it would have multiple classes and run like final fantasy V. So that's kind of like his pipe dream. Because I've always, I've always wanted to do the four job fiesta, but I miss it every year. It's going on right now. Still plenty of time to open up and <coughs> start it. No. I still need the no. play for that game. I think I played an emulator for it a long time ago and only played for a few hours. So it's one of the big Final Fantasies I've missed. Mm -hmm. uh, it's Final Fantasy the Boss Rush is how I like to, re to refer to FF5. Until you get into late game, then you start getting some longer dungeons. Um, yeah, and that's the one that has Gilgamesh and the Big Bridge, and so you get good music. And uh, yeah, definitely recommended. I had fun doing the Four Job Fiesta, but I was very happy to be done because I had just the hardest time in in Exteth's castle at the very end there, just because my party was a very low HP party, and there are certain boss moves that are basically straight up HP checks. So I had to spend like 10 hours just grinding up levels at the end. <laughs> and so I was learning all the grinding strategies for FF5. <laughs> it's like, how do I max out job points? How do I max out this? How do I max out that? So I ended up in the 40s, I'm, low 50s for my levels, and then I was able to do it. I may very well abandon my Stella Glow play through to kind of pick up this because I'm definitely in a portable game funk right now. <laughs> Yeah, if you've got the GBA version of FF5, that's one of the good ones to, to, to do. Um, the um, PC version with mods makes it more palatable. And, um, of course, you can do the NES version with an emulation or translation patch that fixes the translation. Or you get a Retron 5 and use the... Yeah, that's what we have. Yeah, that's probably yeah. what, uh, what I'm thinking think about I'm... doing because that way I could stream it. Yeah, I have a translated Super Famicom cart. I think I'm gonna do Bootleg. the PS1. No, 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 it's actually a Super Famicom cart that we swapped out the uh, the thing with the translated ROM. What? 
Well, that's okay. still a bootleg, but it's it's a cool custom-made hardware bootleg. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think I'm going to do okay, the, the PlayStation version, version sucks. All right, I just got to be honest with you, Kelly. <laughs> it has a Aww. bad translation. It's got bad load times. So it's e- kind e- of the least doing, preferred. <laughs> even doing uh, on sure, uh, PS1 on Vita? I'm sure it's better on the Vita it, yeah, than on the PlayStation 1. Uh, for the, the PS1 Vita version. But here's the thing is, Sony doesn't let you f- uh, futz with your PSN games. They have to be the same way that they were when they were originally launched. Right, and that particular port was not great. So I would personally recommend going a different route, but uh, whatever you need to. I mean, I would perf- I would actually, versus playing the PlayStation version, I would say an unmodded iOS or Android version would be better. But I think uh, even on, like, if you... Uh, if you try to play it on like a PS2 or a PS3, I think there's issues with it crashing or freezing too. Yeah, so um, Final Fantasy V PlayStation go- is one of the rare games that if you try to load it up on the PS2 or PS3, the screen will disappear. <laughs> there are exactly okay. six games yep. that exhibit this behavior, and Final Fantasy V is one of them. Okay, I guess I'll just have to dig out the DBA. <laughs> I, that much preferred version, yeah. Or if you got a micro, then you could be like, oh, where'd my micro go? Um, because that's that's how micro ownership works, right? <laughs> Where did that thing go? Did it get stolen? No. Nope. No. Oh, we have ours. Nope. Okay. It's somewhere over there, I think. Nobody <laughs> I the can thing find go. their micro. <laughs> Chris dropped it and then blamed me. I did. Jerk. It was sort of your fault in a very roundabout way. Yeah, in the same way that the Vita cord was your fault. Wait, how's well, the Vita cord my fault? Right. You took my back. You took my suitcase cord out of my suitcase. To, to give you the. What were you gonna say, Kelly? I don't remember. I'm amused by your couple bickering. <laughs> I'm not done playing games. I play. So that those are the games I finished and or uh, about about to get into with doom i also started playing another game that intrigued me a, a sequel for which intrigued me at e3 so i loaded up because it was on super sale on steam south park the stick of truth and i said all right i may not be the biggest south park fan in fact i may be the smallest south park fan um and i said well let's give this a try it's only 750 and everyone says it's really good and you know what this game's really good <laughs> <laughs> this game is yeah, I'm really good. <laughs> disappointed the sequel's not by Obsidian though. Oh, it's not? Nope. Oh, who's making the sequel? Oh uh, shit, now you'd have to ask. It's uh Isn't it through Ubi, right? Someone at Ubi's doing it, I think. That uh, sounds yeah. right. Well it was at Ubi three. Well that explains it. So that like half the world will be working on it because it's an Ubisoft game, right? <laughs> so <laughs> Ubisoft San Francisco, South Park Digital Studios, Ubisoft. So, so that might be bad, might be good. I don't know. I, all I can tell you is, Stick of Truth is like really well done, and um, the combat system is a, okay. The controls in the game are freaking weird. Um, the things they have you do, especially on keyboard, are insane. On controller, they're a little bit more palatable. But I don't know what they were thinking about when they came up with the controls in this game. However, um, everything is 
everything's a joke because that's like South Park shtick, right? Is that everyone should be offended and everyone's being made fun of equally. Um, and so even the controls are, feel like they're playing a joke on you at times just because of the weird things they make you do and the, you know, hold this stick down and then press it up and then you can fart in this one direction and that's how you do this and that. And so after all the convolutions, um, so that, I don't know, the control stuff kind of is like, eh, it's the only complaint I have about it, but like the writing's really good. You don't have to really know anything about South Park um, beyond the basics, I would think, to be able to understand and enjoy the game enough. Um, I don't know most of the characters, um, but and it, it has not been affecting my ability to laugh at the jokes and think that the writing's pretty good. And, um, you know... The, as usual with South Park humor, everything's a bit over-sexualized and, and there's a lot of potty humor, but um, even ignoring that, like the rest of it just makes up for it, like in spades. So um, bat the battle system uh, itself seems a bit easy. So I've got it on normal and I'm barely ever having troubles. Like the only time I have trouble is if I don't do exactly what I know I should be doing. Um, so... I guess maybe there's some issues there with the with the challenge of it, but uh, it feels good. I've heard, th I've heard that that game is kind of easy. Yeah, and so what class are you playing? I am a mage. Okay. I said I want to be something I wouldn't normally be. All right, I'm gonna do mage, and that's a, that was did a good name... pick. Yep. Did Did you name yourself douchebag? Yes, and I got an achievement okay. for it. No, I actually <laughs> I didn't. I didn't type in douchebag. I did, I forgot about that whole joke. So I just typed in my name, and it's like, "Oh, you're a douchebag, is that is that right?" I'm like, "All oh, right," and I just chose yes, and it gave me an achievement. You accepted, you voluntarily accepted your fate as Sir Douchebag. <laughs> it's like, oh, I love cool. that joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I'm definitely going to be playing this before uh, Fractured Butthole comes out because I want to play Fractured Butthole. Yeah. It, so that's uh it that has been playing really well um and i got sucked into it way more than i thought i would um it's 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 open enough where you can just explore and explore and get loot and loot and i've been doing that all over the place and so uh, it feels good it just feels like a well put together game and a good experience so um not that you need me to add my recommendation to the pile it's like <laughs> it's kind of reviewed pretty darn oh. well <laughs> oh yeah have you been finding any chimpokomon yeah, all over the place. I don't know if I'm <laughs> going to try and get all of them because that seems crazy, but uh, I, I don't feel like hunting down for that last one that I just can't see somewhere. But uh, yeah, I've been. I, whenever I see them, I go after them. Um, yeah, it is. It's, it's been good, and I love the the joke with the stuttering kid. Um, I probably shouldn't. Sp at this point, I guess spoiling it isn't really a big deal. Um, just so they have the ability to skip cutscenes, and whenever the the what whatever his name is Jimmy and he stutters, um, he'll get in a loop of stuttering. And the actual only thing you can do to get out of it is to press the cutscene skip button and skip the cutscene, and that is what will get past his stuttering. And I think it's just genius how they handled it um, because you don't normally use that button because you want to see the cutscenes. So. Just really well done. <laughs> you you are selling me on all kinds of games this week. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're just not helping my gaming ADD right now. Yeah, I know. Just play something you'll have fun with and stop worrying about the rest, I guess. I don't know. I know. <laughs>
Oh, so that's me, Anna, and Kelly. Jonathan, what have you been playing? All right. Well, I went to that LAN party last weekend, so I played some yeah. new games. I played over. Well, we played a bunch of Overwatch, and uh, that's been pretty fun. You can't and, play Overwatch uh, on a LAN. It uses their servers. Well, it's yeah. that's that's the way that things are these days. Modern LAN parties. Yep. And uh, though we did play Dead by Daylight, tried that out. It's kind of a you know, when I when I first thought it, I thought it was that Jason game that, that I saw at E3 uh, yeah. being streamed. Yeah. But it's kind of similar, but it's not that game. Oh, what is it? Yeah, but you basically, it's like a 4v1. You're four people like in a horror movie trying to survive. And then you, one person's the killer. And the killer runs around the map trying to hunt for the people. And the people are trying to start up generators to oh, uh, open oh. the door I've, to I've escape. Seen, um, I've seen a Yogscast playthrough of this. And yeah. Yeah. It's pretty fun. Um some of the mechanics are a little off. I think the Jason one looked cooler because this one this one boils down to it'll get a little repetitive. But if you're in a room with friends and you're and you're playing with people you know, I think it's it's a lot of fun and a lot of screaming and you know, keep away from me and you know, it, it gets pretty intense, but I think just playing it on your own with a bunch of random people probably wouldn't be as fun. It becomes formulaic, hide, try to start the generator, a little mini game, hide. Uh, if you mess up on the generator, it'll make noise and the killer can see where you are. Um, it's fun playing as the killer and chasing people down, but, uh, I, yeah, I know it's it was fun in that sprinting. environment. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it was fun in that environment. Not sure if it'd be fun in another environment or, you know, out of that environment. So I'd have to check it out. Um, been playing some GTA five online with some friends. I know that's been going around for a while. It's all right. It's, it, you, the stuff you can do is pretty cool, though. So it's like this super sandbox, and and go on these heists and try to build up your you know your house and your car collection and your money, and it's enjoyable to goof around with. I did try the Vive. Uh, a guy brought his PC with the Vive setup in the living room, so Ooh. I got to do the, the VR with the little motion controllers, and I played the uh, um the zombie game. The I forgot what it's called. Uh, like some of the, the experiment one where I'm is somebody not having headphones on. I hear myself coming out of some of the speakers. This is weird. Mm. Um, but yeah, the uh, the the vibe thing. Um, I want to know if you played Job Simulator. I watched someone else play Job Simulator. Okay, good. And it's funny. We could do some. We were doing some funny stuff and using the copy machine to like, copy your head and Isn't your brain weird? pops out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And throwing staples at at the coworkers and some of the stuff was pretty funny, but it's one of those you screw around in fifteen twenty minutes, have some laughs, and then kind of you you're know done. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'm done with that. So Tracer they did core. that. They're also doing gotta, some engineering play in the lab thing. too. Yeah, so I watched them do the lab. I okay. did that, that experiment, the zombie experiment game that you kind of see on people's Facebook and you know viral videos of you know that girl that freak gets freaked out or that grandpa that's running around punching the zombies and stuff. So I played that one. Okay. And uh, it's cool. Uh, when they get really close to you and on top of you, and, you know, it feels like they are right there next to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but further away, maybe not so much. And it's also got an issue that. I think the resolution needs just to be a little bit better. So it's it's granularly enough just to kind of break some of that immersion that you would have. So I think that once the 
technology gets a little more improved, I think it'll really help it out if you get that that resolution better. But in these new graphics cards that are coming out will probably help some of that in, in the upgraded uh, uh, models of these. So let's see. Um, then I've been playing, started up playing Ogre Battle 64 again. I guess that'll be my JRPG for July. Ooh. I, it's the only game in the series that I have not beaten, though I've played it a few times. Are you, um, are you, uh, a person of lordly caliber? Yes. Okay. And, um, yeah, that, that's a fun one, and I love that. It's probably one of my favorite series of all time, and for whatever reason, I always get close to the end, and I end up going to something else, and it's not because I don't like the game or I lose interest in it. I, I just... One of those games has happened to me. So this time I'm going to beat it. But I say that a lot. But and, How many uh, times have you beaten it? I haven't yet. It's the oh. only game in the series I haven't beaten. Well, you better get so done with that. I know. I need to. And uh, it's one of my, yeah, like I said, the, the Ogre series, I don't know. It's between that, like Shining Force and and uh, Final Fantasy. It's one of my favorite series. And Baldur's Gate of all time. So I love those games. And um, I did get a... A Samsung S7 Edge, and so right now, if you get an Edge or a 7 or even an S6, you get a free VR gear from oh, Samsung. Oh, Gear VR, okay, yeah. Yeah, so I, that came in yesterday, so I was fooling around with that. So now you can play However, Minecraft, right? <laughs> uh, can you? I don't know. I, I know don't... this game called Gunjack supposed to be pretty decent. So oh, yeah, there you go, yeah. And, uh... But right now, I don't have a Bluetooth controller, so you have to control it with a little thing on the side of your head, which is not really uh, very good for gaming. That seems bad, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I ordered a Bluetooth controller off Amazon, and it should be here tomorrow or Tuesday or something. So then I'll really get to try it out. But it's it's pretty cool. It, again, it's your cell phone, so you get that resolution issue where it's almost really awesome, and then it's kind of eh because it's granularly, but it's it's – a cool experience, so and it was free, so it's pretty neat. I'll, I'll check it out and goof nice. around with it sometimes. So, but other than that, I think that's most what all I've been playing. I got some new games. I got the new Star Ocean in and the new Grand Kingdom in, but I need to make time to try them out. I'm so sorry about that new Star Ocean. Is it bad? That's what I hear. Really? Yeah. People are very mixed. Oh uh, yeah, I hear I keep... a lot of mixed things about that one. So there are some people that I'm are very enjoying it and some people that are not. I heard that it's very mediocre. <laughs> I've heard it's better than Star Ocean 4, though. Yeah, but I mean, Star Ocean 4 is like a two, two and a half game. This is a and three, think, three and a half game. Then yes, it is think, objectively better. I think some people also prefer Star Ocean 3. But, you know, I think some people really got soured on that plot twist. <laughs> There's well, this a... happens before the plot twist, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you know. Whatever it matters, yeah. That's yeah, the one that, where that... Star Ocean is a VR game, Anna. What? Yeah. Which Star Ocean <laughs> is that? Star, Star, Star Ocean 3. It reveals <laughs> all of it was a VR game. <laughs> oh, but no, but it keeps going. Yes. That, that, that plot twist comes, like, I don't know, the... Uh, Shortly after the game switches over to disc two. Wait, so no, 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 hang on. Hold <laughs> on. This is good. So they find out that they are all just a VR game, and they say, "Screw it, we're gonna go save the world, anyways." 
Well, yeah, because the the world saving in this instance upgrades from mysterious things happening to oh shit, the system has just deleted Earth, sort of thing. Oh. But which Earth? The in-game Earth or the real Earth? Uh, the in-game one. Right. So who cares? It's is what like... we're saying. <sighs> no, no, it's we've had. Oh my gosh, why can I never remember? Dot hack. No. Oh. Uh, there was a TV show. It was made in Vancouver. It was made by the same... Reboot. 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 Yeah. Reboot. Uh-huh. I mean, you can have a good self-aware story that takes place in a not-real-world, but it doesn't sound like they pulled it off terribly well. Well, in that case, in the not-real-world, there are real things that are alive in that not-real-world that matters to them. Yes. Yes. Here, if it's just a character, who cares? But they're it's not the, real I, things that are alive in their not real world. Right. I, so I played Star Ocean 3. I don't know. I have I no memory. I, I played Star Ocean 3. I have no memory of what happened in the plot. And it mm-hmm. sounds like that plot twist was like St. Elsewhere taking place in an, in an autistic kid's dream kind of plot level twist. Was oh, that really? I didn't care for I it didn't very know much. about that. I actually didn't. I actually didn't mind it though much, so much, if only because they they didn't kind of just drop it out of left field at the ninety five percent point. Uh, I kind of felt that they, because they stuck it in at like the seventy five percent point, they actually had a chance to do something with it. It wasn't very good, don't get me wrong, but the fact that they didn't just drop it as like a, or even you know like a in during the ending, which would have been mind bogglingly stupid, um, that. It could have been worse. Like, it could have been so much worse. Nobody's real. That kind of worse. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Now you've got me looking up the St. Elsewhere thing. I didn't know that was a thing with that series. Ugh. Oh, yeah. That was probably, like, one of the most infamous, horrible, it's all a dream plot twists in the history of TV. And I'm glad I could derail the cast with an obscure 80s drama. Yeah, I, I, I know about that one, but... <laughs> what is it called again? Saying Elsewhere. It's an 80s TV series that... American TV series? Apparently there's multiple interpretations about this Snow Globe ending, but... Okay, whatever. I'm not doing this. Because <laughs> then we get into the list of bad TV endings. And then we go back to Roseanne and everything else. And it's like, oh, let's not do this right now. <laughs> Wait, what? And Wow, that kind of jumped from left field, Chris. Oh, you didn't know Roseanne had another bad ending? Yeah, the what? entire last season was also a yeah. fantasy. The last season where she thought she, where they win the lottery. No, actually, the husband died and this was just her writing a book or a diary or something like that yeah <laughs> dinosaurs I, ends with the you know the meteor falling and everybody dying yeah that part <laughs> other bad en- there's a lot of bad ends <laughs> if like if this were to happen in a video game you would start over and try and get a better ending <laughs> that happens in tv a lot and I, two other things that I don't think helped Star Ocean 3 and 4's case, the protagonists in those two games were horrible. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Star Ocean 3 had really, really good post-game dungeons. Yeah, but it's an RPG. The story matters. 
Oh, I know, I know. People have also, trouble just playing the, the dungeons. I don't know. The item crafting was also pretty neat. Well, isn't that Star Ocean's oh, yeah. thing? Or it's supposed to be, at least. I'm uh, I'm gonna check out integrity and facelessness when it comes down to like maybe 40, 30 bucks. I'm definitely glad I didn't run out and buy it. Yeah, I'm 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 actually thinking I'm probably gonna do the same. I'm gonna wait for it to drop on sale and pick I up myself. I don't think I've ever liked a Star Ocean game, so I'm not planning on buying it. So you didn't play two? Um, I did. But you didn't like it? Nope. Let me guess. Your your game crashed inside a certain dungeon. Yeah. You're like, screw this. <coughs> I liked Grindy up until when two. it started crashing all the time, too. Mm. I loved one and two. I thought one and two were excellent. You played Star Ocean 1? Yeah. I thought that didn't come um, out here. It never came out yeah, here. Yeah, PSP. No, it, yeah, it did. Oh. PSP. Oh, it did? Mm -hmm. Translated? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. PSP. Huh. Port. Um, or a remake you. But I had also played a fan translation of the SNES version a long time ago. Star Ocean 5, everybody. Woo! We're excited. <laughs> Star, Star Ocean 5, it could be worse. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> At Star least Ocean it's 5, it's better than nothing. <laughs> oh, so it's like Mighty Number no. 9. <laughs> yes. Uh, we should move on. Alice, I have one question for you. Go on. Did you deliver any missiles? Uh, let me check my kill board. One sec. <laughs> you hey, didn't hey, have the answer to this prepped? I'm disappointed in you, Alice. I'm trying to remember if I did kill anything. Yes, I did kill things this week. Yay! Tell us all about Wait, it. Wait, was the, was the 26th this week? Oh, close yes. enough. I count it. Okay. Well, I, I'm I so desperate the, for a story about. I killed stuff on the. Th well, you see, remember, I went out and joined um, Pandemic Horde, uh -huh. right? Yeah. Which means that, um, you know, I now have a like a home in quotes to defend. It's the right. pillow fort, is our. The pillow fort. The pillow I love fort. it. <laughs> well, the, there's the the large class of citadel, citadels are called fortizars, so mm -hmm. we now have the pillow fortizar. Excellent. It's great. Um. But that means that there are regular defense fleets, or there is a regular, like, standing fleet. Um, if you're basically defending home, then you sort of be in there. If you get jumped by people, uh, you get people respond to it. And it's quite easy to pick up kills from people who either bring fleets in or are looking for, uh, I don't know, opportunistically hunting ratters or miners or something like that. So... How does that work? Like those people, if you're in that that guild and they have the defense standing fleet, like whenever you log into Eve, are you just joining that thing and that dictates how you spend your time? Uh, for the moment, yeah, because that's what I enjoyed doing. Okay. Because that's but how you I'm never want to come in and work on manufacturing or mining or anything no, else. No, uh, but at the moment I'm working on that because it's um, up until. Like the time which I resubbed to Eve, which I think was Christmas 2014, I'd never really done any PvP in Eve at all. Oh, okay. And it's mostly just about becoming familiar with, you know, shooting other people because it's different from shooting NPCs. So now you're an expert in delivery of missiles and laser dance parties. I am not an expert, but I'm doing okay. Okay. My kill board puts me at 117 destroyed with 12 loss. That seems good. 
Well, yeah, but you have to remember that the uh, the destroyed there is basically like the kill the kill counter in Overwatch. In that that counts all of the ships that I've also assisted with. Oh. So uh, from those those same metrics, I have got ninety one percent of my kills in with other people. Mm-hmm. With nine percent solo. Are you, are so, you well, so what are you using to kill people nowadays? Is it missiles or is uh, it something else? I do use missiles fairly frequently because they are my favorite kind of ships. Um, for the last seven days, uh, I have done three missile kills, four laser kills. No drones, huh? Nope, not using drones on any of those ships. So I've got one Gamma kill, one Jackdaw kill, one Manticore kill. Those are all missiles. And then four Confessor kills, which is lasers. Man, you just you keep swapping ships. Yeah, I have um, I have like, uh, I have a lot of um, just I can now fly all uh, Tech One and Tech Two frigates, all Tech One and Tech Two cruisers. Uh, that just generally means that I switch out ships a lot and try lots of different things. I can also fly all four of the Tech Three destroyers as well. So I just jump in a ship, fit it out, and go out and kill something. Man, you have money. Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, running a little I bit low money. at the moment, admittedly. I I lost two Dramials because I was an idiot. Uh, that was last week, June 24th. Um, so I'm on. I was in defense fleet, and um, we had a cormorant fleet jump in. Uh, those are. Uh, set up for sort of sniping at 80 kilometer ranges and I was an idiot and I didn't um, I didn't dodge I didn't oh. get traversal up I didn't take I, in fact I was actually not moving I think when I got shot that um, makes it easier for them to hit you just yeah so, you know. so I got so I, I got suggest sniped moving off, so I got sniped off the field by five cormorants um, and then I immediately I go back five home five people shot you at the same time? Yep. Even the great. I, yeah, I blew up pretty much instantly. Um, and then I, so in my infinite wisdom, I, I go one jump home and I buy another Dramiel because I'm like, you know, people are still fighting and stuff like that. And um, some people jump into our home system and then I get murdered by a Vexer. <laughs> it must have been drones. very vexing. Yes, it was. And yeah, so I, I lost a second second Dramiel pretty much instantly. That's another 50 million down the drain. How much Whoops. are subscriptions again? Um, 15 a month. Sh- no, is I it mean... Yeah. No, no, no. How much ISK is a subscription? Oh. Okay, so the price of Plesk has been going all over the place recently. Um, there's been a lot of... Um, like, for example, when Citadels <laughs> came out, a lot of people came back and I think what what people did was they liqu- liquidated their plex supplies like quickly and that brought started to bring the price price back down hmm. uh, i'm just having a look at the markets um if i can thankfully all of this stuff is quite easily available online without having to log in um i think it's around 800 million i think Okay. And I mean, that's kind of the standard at which the price of things are gauged at, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, no, it's gone back up now. Uh, the cheapest 
Is that a buy order or a sell order? The cheapest sell order for a Plex at the moment is 910 million. Okay. The cheapest, give, buy, just, the, cheap, the cheapest buy order is 894 Just to sort of give an idea of how much money you're spending on a ship. Yeah. And that's the reason, and that's how, um, like, killboards, um, they are able to display an approximate pound value, or they display it in dollars, euros, and pounds. <coughs> um, if I mouse over my losses, for example, I can find out that I lost 55 pence worth of ship. Cool. Uh, if I find one of a couple of my kills from last month, uh, there's one here that I was involved with 161 other people. Uh, he lost 43 pounds worth of ship. Hmm. So, whoops. Is that is that cringeworthy or because it's kind of fake money? It doesn't matter. It only matters in one direction. Um, basically, trading your ISK back into money is against the game's terms of service. Um, okay. But it is possible to take your money and convert it into ISK because what you do is you buy a an item that, when used, grants you 30 additional days of subscription, and then uh, you can then sell that on the market. And obviously, people are then willing to buy that item so they can pay for their subscription without spending money. Um, the system was popular enough that um, World of Warcraft eventually picked it up. Yeah, I remember that. Token. Although the difference there is the price, I think, is always um, you can't sell the item directly on the auction house, it seems to recall. You, no, it. yeah, they've got the black market auction house. You don't get to set the price. Yeah, well, yeah. it's part of the regular auction house, but the price is standardized no. by Blizzard, not the. Yes, it's part of the regular auction house. Okay. You can yeah, log in. It is, it, is, it is by the regular... I think it is in the regular auction house, but the prices are set differently. The price is whereas determined in, by Blizzard. Whereas in EVE, um, the prices are set by the players, yep. and um, it is possible to lose Plesk. Mm -hmm. As in, if you're an idiot and undock with a Plesk in your cargo hold, and then you get blown up, and the, sh and the, the Plesk is not dropped, it is then considered lost permanently. Yeah, it blows up. Yep. And there have been numerous instances of people thinking, oh, you know, I'll take, I don't know, 17 Plask out in an untanked interceptor, and then they get insta-blacked by a tornado on the undock. And it's like, oh, well, you know, you just lost 17 billion isk right there. You're not getting that back. Or 17 billions isk worth in real money. Because so here's one. I just... It happened on July 1st, 2016. Um, it was... Uh... What kind of ship is this? I don't know how to read this thing. Um, is it a killboard link? It's an Erebus. Um, oh, oh, what's the Titan? Yeah, $2,351. Yeah, 1,800 euros, 1,400 pounds. That's there's a lot Titans of money. Are, this Titan's apparently worth more than 100 billion-esque. Yeah. That's and a some lot people of money. Have that. And yeah. some people have that. Money. Well, this one, do he doesn't have this one anymore. Well, no. But, <laughs> I mean, we've got... Um, the alliance tournament they have announced an alliance tournament this year and there is going to be a lot of money trading hands for that one I assume this Ragnarok and the Imp are also Titans uh, yeah the Ragnarok's Titan this the Imp is a um, speaking of the alliance tournament the Imp is one of the special ships that they give out <coughs> to the winners of the alliance tournament oh okay 
Well, this one's gone now. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, there, there's only like 50 of them given out to the to the winners, and I don't know, it's like 20 to the runners up or something. Uh, once they're gone, they're gone. They're not coming back, which means that they are. I think they have a set val. They, no, I don't think any of them are really sold on the market. They're sold like through forum trades and things like that, but they often go for like sort of 100 billion, 100, 150 billion plus. Is it actually a good ship, or is it just because it's rare? They tip. Um, it's a kind of combination of both. Mm -hmm. The Alliance tournament ships typically have very powerful bonuses for their ship class, mm -hmm. um, and they are rare. So they kind of add together. Most people don't actually use them at all. They're often kept in hangars safe, so they're mm -hmm. never lost. So they keep their rarity. Um, you know, but yeah, they are. A lot of point to that. Let's get this thing in a game and never use it. Yeah, I mean that that's how you can basically get an uh, an, inter uh, an interceptor class, which is worth what 10, 20 million at most, and now it's suddenly worth 120 billion. Yeah. So. Nice. And yeah, and amusingly, he lost it to a smart bombing Macarial in Masoya. What a surprise! Like, why would you? Why? Why would you do that? You translate that. I don't know what that means, Alice. <laughs> so, um, interceptors don't have a lot of hit points. They're a, they're a very fast ship designed to hold other ships down, but they don't have a lot of hit points. What it? What I'm going to guess, considering he got killed on a Stargate, is. There were three Macarials, which are battleships, all camped on the battleship, and uh, all camped on the Stargate, and they were all running smart bombs, which basically just pulse AOE damage. So just, he they don't, in. They're not even aiming at people. They're just continually throwing out bombs at anybody who comes out? Yep. And those This is how they spend their days, just continuously shooting at a gate. Well, they may have seen him coming, because um, oh, okay. there's always this whole thing about, you know, throwing out scouts and finding out who is where and things like that. So he, the guy, the pilot's mistake was jumping straight to the gate with hostiles in local. Because he blew up. He should have jumped to, you know, scouted it out or... Well, what if he was coming in from where the gate connects to, right? Um, that's yeah, certainly possible, actually. Although, hmm... Yeah, no, no, that's actually correct. Hmm. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> oh, well, his loss. I love it. Um, I have been playing some other stuff. Oh, yeah. What, what, what was that? Um, so I tried to get back into the Toho series again. Oh. Because there's, um, there's Toho coming to the west. There now. are many Tohos coming. There's yeah, like a battle like, of the Tohos because... Um, one of them is coming is a physical edition and the other one isn't. And so there's like this battle on like Twitter and game FAQs and, and like all of the message forms belong, belonging to these companies and the people are trying to guilt them into making a physical edition. It's kind of weird. All the Tohos. <laughs> Sorry, yep. Alice, I distracted you. Oh, no, it's... Um... So <coughs> I know that they're releasing a number of like the... Um, the... So, like, what am I saying here? It's like a number of the Dujin games Dujin's, that are made yeah. by other people. Um, yeah, I don't know why I we're tried... not getting any actual Toho games. <laughs> I haven't well, figured that I'm one not, out. I mean, the last one was on Playism. Um, oh, okay. So that's why. <laughs> They're just focusing on the new releases as they come, maybe. Yeah, well, I know, say, 14 got a... a 14 got an official release. Uh, Le Legacy of Lunatic Kingdom is the 15th game in the series. Um, and it comes with a, um, 
they've they've changed or the the, the programmer has uh, changed how um, the the scoring methods works, but also how the sort of um, the like the death and the lives mechanic works. Previously, in all of the previous games, you just had lives. When you died, you restarted uh, like where you were with a decrease in power. Uh, when you ran out of lives, you got a game over. Great. In this one, um, there is that's now relegated to legacy mode, so you can still enable it if you choose. Uh, the main game mode is now called um, crap. What is it called again? Point device mode. Uh, in this mode, um, when you die, you are basically respawn back at a checkpoint, and the checkpoints happen extremely frequently. So, a, like a standard stage out of the six stages has maybe four to six check like sort of little mini checkpoints in the middle so if you die at any point you just go back to one of those and then during the boss battles which is kind of what you're probably playing the game for um it saves after every uh every spell card and every non-spell card um so each so a boss with multiples of those uh can um you know have like 10 checkpoints in there and the game is, as a result, the game, even on easy, is quite a lot more difficult than the previous games were. Uh, I remember posting an image on, I think it was uh, the RP game of Slack, which is where I tried to get back into it. Um, and then went 0 and 43 against one of the third boss's spell cards. Uh... Actually, no, that was me on normal. I'm just looking at the image now. That's me on normal. And I went 1 and 61 on one of the other ones. Hey, you got one. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the, bo the boss of stage 5 apparently is known in fandom as 0, 90, 0 slash 99 just because of how ridiculously difficult her cards can get. She kills I, you with stars and stripes. <laughs> I'm, watching, I'm watching a 1cc playthrough of this game right now. And... Yeah, go to stage go to, go to stage five go to stage five the the boss is hilarious um all right i'll have to see if i can figure out which one stage five is give me stars and stripes please uh, that's yin and yangs keep no, talking it looks like the matrix yeah so um yeah that's difficult and I still haven't finished it. I'm stuck on the last boss. <laughs> I've got to save, like, right there on the last part, the final boss, and it's really quite difficult. Um, I've otherwise played... I finished Disguise... Did I mention that I finished Disguise 5 last no. time? No. Okay, well, I finished Disguise 5. Um, it kind of turns out that if you kind of in know where the good leveling spots are, uh, so Chapter 11 and then the equivalent of the Cave of Trials in the older games... Uh, it becomes very easy to do the last few sections of the game, particularly if the main character is reasonably over-leveled. And I'm not talking about over-over-leveled. The main character, I think I finished the game at level 300 or something. Um, but he has some very, very powerful abilities that make clearing the game really quite easy. Uh, this guy with makes the right some interesting discussions for what's over-leveled. Yeah, so... In, indeed. Um, I mean, it is possible to have the main character attack six times in one turn. Alice, I'm watching this Toho yeah. video still. I have to ask you a question as inspired by the comments. Is it true that Toho pros can walk in the rain without getting drenched? 
What? Because they graze because they graze the raindrops. That's right. Because I've, wait, I've, wait, wait, wait. No, it's no, a no. bullet hell shooter, Anna, so oh, they can just dodge all the raindrops. <laughs> I get it now. That's terrible. Hey, how do you how do you how do you think I got so good at getting through crowds? <laughs> Toho, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Man, I have always wanted to try a bullet hell like Toho, but I know that I won't even one level. Oh, there's, we've got I tons of them out here, though. We've no got tons interest. of them, and it's easier than you think. Your hitbox is so tiny, a lot of times you'll dodge without realizing you're dodging. Um, pick, there's like a billion of them on mobile games. There's a bunch on the 360. There's like a couple on PS4. Um, just find one and try it, and you'll see like, oh, this is actually a doable thing. Yeah, there's practicing I... and learning to get good at, but this is a thing that can happen. That a human can do. I don't think that you understand the capacity of my <laughs> shoot 'em up suckage, Chris. That's my curse. I love shoot 'em ups, but I can't even get through the first level of Gradius without save states. Yeah, but that's a different type of game. <laughs> You've seen me play Destiny, right, Chris? Yeah, I love watching you play Destiny. I don't know why you gave it up because you were having fun and then you somehow convinced yourself that you weren't and that just confuses me. I'm terrible me. at that game. You were fantastic and you'd shout out in glee every time you got a headshot. <laughs> it was the best well, thing to, ever. To be fair, I'm not exactly great at them. I've played most of them on easy. I've done a couple of them on normal. You know, I've done I yeah. know, I've done a few of them on normal. That's but the other I, thing. Yeah, they I, have easy modes, by people. <laughs> you don't have to play them on super hard, the hardest. Super hard, the hardest. Super the hardest. <laughs> Lunatic, Chris. Lunatic. Lunatic? All right, that's what we're calling it. Yeah, that's the name of the hardest difficulty in all of the more recent games is Lunatic. Okay. So, it, 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 in, in every game, they, I mean, they change the joke every time, but all of the statements under the Lunatic difficulty usually say some variation of, no, don't play this. Don't do this to yourself. It's tough. Don't do this to yourself. <laughs> yeah, the other thing about, uh, Kelly, uh, to remember with Bullet Hells is it's all pattern recognition. It is, there is no like random elements for the most part. Well, you, you, there are a few random. There are a few random. If things the out bosses, there, yeah, even in the bosses, there are a couple that are kind of mo or at least partially. Well, I'm, I'm random. thinking like of a cave shooter. You know, they're pretty. They're pretty state. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, thinking of someone like the boss battle stage four in the uh, Imperishable Night, there is a. One, I remember one attack that comes out almost like a kind of magical shotgun that you pretty much have to dodge at max range just because nice. the projectiles are quite random. Mm. It's still blasted in your direction, but you have to you have to have range on the boss, otherwise it can be very difficult to dodge it at close range. Is there like an infinite credits mode, like what eventually unlocked in Nicaruga? Or well, is okay, it still so all... maybe I don't know for Toho, but for like any any that's developed by Cave, they're just ports of an arcade game. So you can just keep pressing the button to like shove another quarter in and just keep going. Yeah, I know that that's the that was Tug's. the only way I could get through Ikaruga. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I know. I remember that feel when I was younger. Um, and no, to as far as I'm aware, Toho doesn't have an infinite lives mode, but it does have a practice mode, which does give you function. It gives you some like ten lives or something. I but you have the difficulty is you have to you have to have cleared the stage first. I would not recommend doing Toho as your intro to Ush, um, to uh, Bullet, Hell. Bullet Hell. No, and it, it, I would say oh. Toho, Toho is definitely not the most difficult out there. That would probably go to one of Caves, like some of Caves' harder shooters. Yeah, but um, the cave ones are easy to get into because of the credit system and all that stuff. 
know. Yeah, but I wouldn't want to throw someone into like I don't know Mushihime Summer or something like that. Hey, that's, that was that's where I that's one of the first ones for me. Mushihime Sama Futari on 360. Really? Yeah, it's like enough. oh I can do I, this. I mean I would have gone. I would say Ikaruga is a pretty good place to start, and if um, you can't do Ikaruga, maybe Radiant Silver Gun. Um, you know what? It's no, weird. No uh, the iOS ones are good because they have like um the the touch modes like the the modes that are designed for play on the phone they'll include like the original modes too but if you play the the phone ones they tone down the bullets a, lo- a bunch so those are good places to start um, and Mushima Futari uh, Mushima Sama Futari's 360 port has a special mode like it made for the 360 um, that has like a phase switching mechanic where like you can hold down this button at certain times where you can't do damage but you're absorbing bullets from the enemy so that makes an interesting play style that's a lot easier to, to deal with as well yeah and honestly for me in toho i think i'm part i'm playing the game at least partially because um you know i enjoy the fact it's a schmuck game and stuff like that but also just because i find the setting inherently interesting mm-hmm. And maybe some of the characters. There's a reason there's 15 of them and, like, even more Dojin games. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason where there's, like, 15 games, 100, uh, like, over 100 characters and a rabid fan base, the likes of which I haven't seen since, I don't know, Homestuck. A comic I still can't figure out how to read. <laughs> um. But I, the uh, I suppose the major one for me is yes, there is another Super Robot Wars game out. That will be my Yay. contribution to JRPG Delight July if I do at all. So I've been playing that somewhat unsurprisingly. So is this uh, you're playing the Japanese release, right? Yep. Is this out? It comes in... out in. It comes out in English on August 10th. Yeah, I've got it pre-ordered, Easter. Alice. Oh, have you? Oh yeah. God. <laughs> Man, you are going to experience continuity lockout like nobody's business. That's right. I, continuity I really lockout? Have... I haven't heard that term. <laughs> well, <laughs> that means like I have is... no idea what's going on, sort of thing. Yeah, the, the the problem is is Moon Dwellers is episode four of a a series that includes five games. It's okay, Zeno Gears was a... episode five, and that worked. <laughs> there was a there's a point five. And, <laughs> um, that's the reason why. That's the reason why we're only on episode four, and well, yeah, it's um, that's. Are you saying they're not going to catch me up at all? Well, the other thing is that it's a kind of there. It makes a lot of the series has made a number of very obscure references to other Van Presto titles that haven't ever been localized. So this is an OG. This is an original generation game, right? So haven't yep. we gotten some of those in the, in the US? Yeah, so you will have at least been able to understand um, what constitutes episode one. Oh, that's all we've gotten? Cons- <laughs> yeah, because that covers the first two GBA games. Because the first two GBA games were ultimately... we got more than that. No, no, no. That was, that's, that's about it. Um, Anna, didn't you play these? Huh? The GBA Super Robot Wars OGs? No. Oh, okay. Yeah, so they they constitute episode one because they were ultimately remade as a PS boat. Like both of them were kind of pushed together and then remade into a PS2 game. Oh, that's what they did. Okay. So, in fact, actually, no. I think that is still considered parts one and two. There is then a side story game that was released on the PS2. That wasn't translated. 
then part three is the PS3 game. So Super Wars Original Generation Definitely 2. not translated. Definitely not translated. And then this forms uh, episode four, uh, which is being translated. But the other thing to consider is there is another side story that was released as a digital only, um, which was kind of a, it was a shorter side, sh- shorter side story. And that was Super Robot Wars uh, OG Div- uh, Dark Prison. So let me ask you a question. Have, are we like, really yeah, here for the story or are we here to watch big mecha attacks? You're here for the giant robots, let's okay. be honest. Because, I mean, um, I know that with the anime-based ones, it's even more just here for the giant robots showing up and like, oh, that's a character. I don't care what the story is. I just want to see Shin- uh, you know, somebody show up and like destroy things. But here, maybe since there's no anime characters, I was worried maybe we were here for the story. Um... I think it would be... It's difficult to rule it out because I have mostly followed the story. Okay. Um, I kind of understand what's going on. Now, the other thing to consider is what what the OG-verse is doing and what the OG series is doing in general is they're taking the original plots from the various anime-related games, the licensed series, and then kind of pushing them all to happen in the same universe that just happens to include all of the same characters. Um so many of the plot points that have already happened have already echoed games like Super Robot Wars Alpha, Super Robot Wars Alpha 2. Yes, I know none of these have been localized, but, you know, what we're here. Interestingly, this game does include some characters from a game that has been fan-translated. Um, so Moon Dwellers introduces the, int- the original characters from Super Robot Wars J, which was the last Game Boy Advance title released in 2005. Uh, that one was fan translated a few years ago. Hmm. It's a very, very good quality fan translation as well. Um, would strongly recommend to anyone who has a GBA emulator. Um, and yeah, the original characters from that show up in Moon Dwellers. It's great because I've been waiting for them to show up in a game prettier than the Game Boy Advance for 11 years now. Mm-hmm. It's got my favorite character. It's got like my favorite mecha in. Okay. Oh. I have a model of it sitting on my desk. Of a Super Robot Wars me- what? Yep, it's not. It's, yeah, it was. It's an original. Yep. And you like it? Yeah. But but but, Chris, the original, the, the fourth or, wall. The original, <laughs> Chris, the original generations series has included a lot of really cool mecha. Right. I have models, quite a few of them. I, and they sell them separate now. All right, cool. Yeah, well, I mean, Kotobukiya uh, do model kits for them. Uh huh. Um, this one is a Volks figure. So they're like more Revel tech than model kit. Okay. And I've had it for a while. I found it on eBay years ago for like, I don't know, 60 quid or something. Yes, it was a lot of money, but I was like, hey, it's my favorite mecha. I'm going to buy it. <laughs> um, I haven't got very far. Uh, information on how long the game is, I haven't actually found out that much. Uh, I'm on stage 12 of something, probably going to be somewhere between 40 and 50, maybe a little bit more than that. Uh, I am enjoying it. Um, it's a very, it's very sharp. It's wonderful to see on the PS4. Um, yeah, good stuff. Look forward to the. Uh... Now, I know I mentioned continuity lockout. I did notice this when I started the game. It is possible to view effectively a plot synopsis of the last few games. <laughs> oh, good. I'll see if that's so, even understandable. Yeah, yeah, I do wonder about that because, um, well. There's the games that were all, that haven't been localized. There's the games that have been localized. There's the side stories, which somehow are still plot relevant. Um, 
I mean, you know, do you remember Endless Frontier, the Game Boy Advance spin-off? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, sorry, the it became DS, its own DS, series. Yeah, the DS spin-off. Yeah, a couple of characters from that even show up. In, for You probably don't realize it, Chris, but Endless Frontier became Project Across. So. I know. Okay, I wasn't well, sure. characters characters from Endless Frontier ended up in Project Cross Zone as well. Well, and the games are considered a sequel to them. Yeah, yeah. If only because of like character continuity, and that raises all kinds of very interesting questions about <laughs> Xenosaga's continuity and things like that. And mm-hmm. it, it makes people who keep up with this stuff's heads hurt a lot. Um, but yes, Project X Zone is a sequel to Endless Frontier, Cross but Zone. this game, Super Robot Wars OG Moon Dwellers, is also a sequel to to to, oh, to, to I give up. Endless Frontier. <laughs> so because two, I said two of the characters show up. Um, the the cowboy hat wearing guy shows up. Um, yeah, that that's the thing that happens, and he actually he does show, and he he, he comes as a pilot. He gets his he gets his giant robot back. Yeah, yeah. Try and keep up with that. Lord I can't. Hound. I don't even know what that means. I'm gonna just. We're gonna move on. Yep. And say, all right, we've all talked about the games we're playing. We're gonna put those down, and we're gonna walk over to the newsroom. What? What? Oh, beep beep beep. Thank you. Yeah. All right. All right. Do we want to talk about the Fire Emblem? Sharp Fe localization slash censorship controversy. Yeah. I mean. Another f- one of these. I feel like we're just going to talk about it to say this is like, yeah, there's some censorship happening, but it's not a big deal. Just play the game. But that's kind of what we said that's about the last one, isn't it? <laughs> that's how I feel every time. I mean, I don't know. Would we feel different if the game sucked? Well, people would blame this. <laughs> blame blame it, the game sucking on this. But that would be inappropriate as well. <laughs> okay. Instead, let's talk about JRPG July. Okay. We're doing it. We did talk about it. What, okay. is, what else is there to talk about? Okay. Should we talk about Miyamoto saying... <laughs> you didn't answer my question. Um, okay, so... If we skip everything like this, the show's going to be... Yeah, I know. Sure, it's like, right? it's, it's All like right, I so ask Anna questions. She's like, well, let's go to the next thing. Uh, like, JRPG <laughs> July was started by uh, Shik Pixel or Apricot Sushi... Uh, Apricot what sushi are these the names person. you're saying? Apricot Sushi is the girl who started it. Chick Pixel is her site. Yeah. Um, and she is friends with uh, Sam Wachter, who is our PR lady for RP Gamer. And so we participated last year. It was amazingly fun. So we're doing it again this year. So I think we have six or seven staff members that are all participating. We're going to have weekly blogs. Um, you can follow the hashtag JRPGJuly on Twitter. Um, I uh, retweet all sorts of JRPG stuff that I see as soon as I see it. Um, yeah, there's a list of games that the staff are going to be playing for JRPG July. So um, I'm <laughs> playing for one more day. Um, Sharp Fire Emblem. Um, uh, Sam will be playing Okage the Shadow King. Um, Strawberry Eggs will be playing Bravely Second. Um, Gaijin Monogatari will be playing Star Ocean Blue Sphere. Nekobasu will be playing Final Fantasy V because he's doing the Four Job Fiesta. Um, Twin Bahamut's playing Romancing Saga 2. Um, Kelly's playing Wild Arms 5. Um, and then I think we have a few people that are playing Star Ocean Integrity and Faithlessness. I feel bad for them. 
Well, at least one of them is playing it for review purposes, so I don't feel no, I feel bad. really bad for them. Right. So that's JRPG July. If you want to join in, um, hashtag JRPG, JRPG July when you tweet about it. That's it. Boom. Come talk about it on the forums. Set. Match. So. Everyone lost their crap this week because Fire Emblem came out and it turns out that a couple <coughs> of, that there's this whole subplot about um, young girls who model in bikinis and kind of touch themselves while they're being photographed. It's like a thing in Japan called gravure modeling. It was pulled out of the game entirely in the West, and some people are upset about it, and some people are like, um, it's kind of better without it, and some people are like, eh, I can see it either way, and some people are like, who cares? The new costumes that they replace that stuff with are, are also really cool. So wherever you feel on it, I want to I want to just say... It's this one subplot. It's gone. The rest of the game isn't really touched that we can tell at all. Well, uh, it is, but it's all really minor stuff. But it's all stuff related to that plot, isn't it? No. There's, there's like, four instances where they've covered breasts. Oh, they covered some cleavage? Yes. Okay. And I can tell you that the reason they did it is to get their ESRB rating from sexual themes to suggestive themes. Because there's no reason to make... Small random changes for any reason. Other well, why that. do you care if it has sexual themes versus suggested themes? One, it can change your rating. Oh, okay. It can be the difference between a T and an M rating. So this is a T now? Yeah, this is a T-rated game. And two, people that don't understand what the ratings mean can still understand what the rating qualifiers mean. But and is this so, really going to affect sales, do you think? Yeah. I don't. Uh, Nin- Nintendo has shown this for people. What? Why not? We the ESA has shown statistically because what nine year old kid is saying? I want si- Tokyo Mirage sessions. No one, no, none of them. Nobody cares about this. Who's young? Yeah, this game is only marketed to adults. Yes, and there are lots of adults that care about how much sexuality is in their video games. A lot but, of teenagers, could but like they don't this look at the ESRB too. rating. They look at the <coughs> coverage because they, they look at a trailer for the game and no, say, "Yeah, that's the game I want." No, they don't. Yeah, they do. No, they don't. Yes, they do. No, they don't. Well, the who? amount of people that participate in online game interaction, and I'm not talking about the number of people that play in multiplayer games. I'm talking about the people that look at a YouTube or follow a news site or listen to a podcast. They are a teeny tiny fraction of the people that are. Are you telling games. me there are adults that this game is marketed towards walking into a store and a buying this game just sight unseen? Yeah. Because I don't believe that for Sharp Effie. I totally do. I, that and I mean, here's seem the, like the sort of game well, that, that would work for. Well, here's the other thing, Chris, is yeah. if Nintendo can grasp a, a larger potential audience, then the audience that they piss off will do it every time. Of course. That's that's totally reasonable. I just don't I don't believe that audience exists for this game. Okay, we'll agree to disagree on that point. <laughs> I mean, we still we know that people still walk into a video game store and buy games without researching them ahead of time. Mm-hmm. They buy based on covers. They buy based on ratings. The the idea, and I mean the problem is is that we come from a place where. We are so inured with information. It is hard for us to picture someone doing that. But people do. I just had to look up what inured means. <coughs> Sorry. Accustomed to something, especially something impl- unpleasant, which is a really accurate way to describe games media, isn't it? Thank you. 
Moving on. I, I'm just amused. I'm just amused by the fact that we're dying on a hill again. Oh yeah. Moving on. All right. Well, yeah, so buy Sharp FE if you're interested in it. Don't it's don't fantastic. don't buy into the controversy crap. That's that's not a thing to boycott for, in my opinion, at least. Um, so Shigeru Miyamoto has done a bunch of interviews about the Annex, um, both prior to, during, and post D3. And basically Miyamoto has said, OMG, please stop asking us, us about the Annex already. Um, no, <laughs> I don't know how to respond to this. Yeah. So, so here's, 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 here's this here's quote. quote. Here's this quote. In terms of Annex, there's an idea that we're working on. That's why we can't share anything at this point. And I don't want to comment on the other companies. If it was just a matter of following advancements in technology, things would be coming out a lot quicker. Which tells you that the NX is more than just a more powerful system. But we don't know what, and that's the same state we've been in for months and months and months. So whatever. All right. So. Um... Gudamen, Gudamin, 3D, a monstrous adventure is now going to be out on the 3DS. It's a follow-up to the first Gudamin game, right? I don't know of anything about the Gurman series. It was a PSP game. It was well-rated. People liked it. Cool. Um, I, I guess it was I also on it. Japanese PC. Um, it's on Steam. It came out in March 2015. We talked about it on the show. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're making a 3DS game. Um, <coughs> is it the same game? Yeah, it's the same game. So it looks like they've ported it back. So it looks like it'll be the same thing. Um, not a sequel. Sorry for the confusion there. So... Yet another chance to play Gurdman. This is a game you I don't you should look at the trailer, Anna. You'd probably like it. You think this is a me game? Uh the art style is a you game. I don't know. It's is more it of an roguelike? A- no. Okay. No, it's a it's an art it's an RPG. Okay. Um but it's more action y. Okay. So you may or may not. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I mean There's it, a minecart. There's it'll probably go on my Christmas list. Yeah, maybe. Um <coughs> I'll probably already have it on Steam even. <laughs> Um, let's see, did I say when it's coming? I'm out of tea. I'm sorry, go get more tea. Uh, let's see. Experience Incorporated. This is the people who make first-person dungeon crawlers for the Vita. They, uh, talked about some things they may localize. And things that they won't. So, um, what did they say? Uh, they're currently working on Yoi Wo Saku Hana. But that's in Japan, so no update on that. Oh, um, and they have no comment about whether Operation, Operation Babel. Babel will be yeah. coming, which is the sequel to Operation. So these are both new Tokyo Legacy games. Um, Operation Abyss New Tokyo Legacy um, came out for the Vita. I know we reviewed it. Well, you played it, didn't you? No. Did you not try that one? No. Okay. So I it tried got, it. It got reviewed. Oh, this is the one that just got reviewed recently, isn't it? Hang on, hang on. Yeah. No, let me check the. It was form. Operation Abyss. I thought reviewed well. Mm, no. I think you're Two thinking Dungeon Travelers was the one that just got reviewed. Yeah. Sorry. So yeah, um, our only review for Operation Abyss is two and a half out of five. Oh yeah. All right. Never mind. It's called Legacy of Okay. <laughs> Uh, let's see. So they're not commenting on the Western release for that game sequel. They're also not they, commenting on like the. No, they have no plans the for uh, the new interpretation, new interpretation, Stranger of Sword City, an enhanced version of Stranger of Sword City, which also just came out here. Um, the new version, 
that's enhanced for Vita in Japan came out and is coming out in July. No plans on it coming out here. And man, this is a messy summary here. Yeah, uh, they because it's it's a Twitter conversation and you're limited by 140 characters. Uh, so okay, so let's go over this point by one. But they're hoping to make another Ray Gigant title. Yes, but the problem is, is the IP holder is Bandai Namco, which means they have to negotiate with them if they want to make a second one. Yep. And that okay, and that covers everything. Yep. Okay. Good. Moving on. Um, Octopus. <laughs> I love studio names sometimes. Octopus Tree and Whalebox Studio have put out a <laughs> expansion to their mech building RPG Goliath. So this is a mech building RPG. So I have to ask Alice, have you played it? Uh, no, I haven't. And if not, when are we buying Why it not? For you? Yeah, why haven't you done this? Uh, it's a mech hey, building game. Play- hey, I've been playing other games. Jeez. I played a mech building game. I didn't talk about it. I huh? played um, Gundam Breaker 3. Is that the one you fell asleep playing? If so, you've already talked about it. No. Yeah. I No. It, you played it on a Friday before a podcast, and you fell asleep three times playing it. I did. And Alice said Oh, that's that right. I Alice... fell asleep during the battles, and I was still progressing yes, in the battles. Yes, and Alice said that that was very accurate. <laughs> oh, okay. That cool. was accurate to the gameplay. <laughs> the battle system's not very hard. No. <laughs> so I like so this. you could literally put a brick on the controller <laughs> More or less, to win yeah. battles. <laughs> I'd wake up and be well, like, oh, I got further, I, and I'm not dead. Oh, okay, <laughs> convenient. <laughs> so the the expansion to Goliath is called Summertime Narkness. Spelled with a G. G-N-A-R-K-N-E-S-S. Yeah. And it's free. So um, Goliath, we've talked I know a little nothing bit about, about Goliath, Goliath before. Though. Have we? Um, it's a procedurally generated world, um, and it's basically... Um, civilization has been built up and ruined and built up and ruined repeatedly. So is this so an ARPG? You... Is this like a Diablo game? Um, is that the plan? Find the plans, gather resources, get in your giant robot and start punching monsters in the face. Kind of, yeah. It's on sale for half off right now because, you know, summer sale. Um, so try it out. Well, I will add it to my lists and we'll see. Hey, Jonathan, this story is relevant to your interests. Oh, wait, is Jonathan here? Or did he go and not come back yet? He went and didn't come back yet. Oops. Um, so there is now a new update for the Banner Saga 2 called Survival Mode. Yes, um, it is separate from the story mode. It's a series of 40 combat-focused scenarios that the player will have to beat back-to-back. 40. 40. You have to build a team from existing heroes from Banner Saga. Um, this, feature, this mode features permadeath. So if you lose a unit, they're gone because you know you're trying to see if you can survive it. Um, and if you uh, get through a round, you get renown that you can use to purchase items or recruit more heroes. And oh, and by the way, all of this is on a timer. You have 30 seconds to make decisions. On each round, yeah. Yep. And so um, it's currently available for PC Mac. Um, it's uh, game releases on PS4 and Xbox One and on July 26th, but that's weird because um, games... So if I go to www.xbox.com... If you are a gold member, and I'm just going to confirm this. I'm sorry. I think it's the Banner Saga 1, Chris. Uh, no. If you're a gold member and you go down to, uh, yeah, it's out now. Um, right now on Xbox One, if you're a gold member, you get the Banner Saga 2 for free. Can you, is it playable now? You can download it now. Yeah, but downloading. I've never seen playable. them have you download a game that wasn't playable. Okay. But you're right. 
release I date is still listed. A preload. Well, I think you get it first here. Oh, I think it's. Oh, okay. So you get like a, an open. You get. Like I think. A beta I think it's one. Of, well, it's not beta necessarily. Right. It's just because one of those it's done. Experience it first here. You know. Yeah. Okay. Console um, exclusive console first release. Anyways, survival mode is due out uh, by the official release date, so July twenty sixth. Okay. I have no. Yeah, I have not downloaded it yet. I just tagged it to my account. Um, but yeah, Banner Saga Two news. All right, uh, Phantom Brave is getting a collector's edition. Which, <coughs> you remember, Phantom Brave is a game that came out on like the Wii and the PS2, right? Or is it just PS2? It's probably just PS2. It's now coming out on PC, and they've announced a collector's edition for it. It's called the Chroma Edition. It's available for pre-order now for twenty nine ninety nine or twenty three pounds, um, which you know. Pounds are kind of falling in value, so you might want to go the pound route, right? No. No? <laughs> New topic. Too soon. <laughs> Poor Alice. <laughs> no politics, please. <laughs> Alice, has your has your has London fallen into the earth yet? No? I don't think she's even gonna dignify that. <laughs> Is that what's going on? No politics, okay. please. No politics. <laughs> Steam code for the game comes with this collector's edition. You get the Phantom Nomicon, which is a 44-page book containing bios, illustrations, and sketches. No, this is digital. Huh? It's a digital book, right? No, this is physical. Oh, I'm sorry. Physical collector's edition available on the NIS America store. Sorry. Um, and the European store. Um, you get the Steam code. <laughs> yeah, the first thing in the in the physical edition is a Steam code, yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> then you get a 44-page art book. <laughs> then a five five by seven mini art prints and a collector's box. Um, and then there's also the digital Chroma edition, which is all that stuff, but digitally. So, okay. So I'm not crazy. No, but that's okay. 20% lower. So, okay. Or yeah, that's you know, 25. It's funny. Like this is like the fourth release of this game. Let's see. It was out on, let's see. It was, uh, it was PS2, PS2 first and then, and then Wii. PSP. No, no, then PSP. And then, and then Wii. Wii. And now it's PC. This game must sell really well for them. No, the Wii came before the PSP. Wii meet again? Yeah. Yeah, because the Wii and the P... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah, it's, right. it sounds like the, the Wii version was ported to PSP or something like okay. that. According to the story and the timeline. Because it was 09 for the Wii and 2011 for the PSP. Okay, that makes sense. So, I mean, like I've Whatever. said before, yeah. it's because it's the most accessible of uh, NIS's crazy... SRPG series. Oh, is that what it is? I haven't. Yeah, I have this I mean, on the Wii. I have never played it. I mean, it has some deep systems, but it's not nearly as obtuse as the Disgaea series is. Mm. Okay. Czech Republic-based developer Napoleon Games. Sorry. My clicking failed me here. Uh, they've uh, put out their turn-based RPG Seven Mages on Steam. It was an early access for three months, and now it is released. Um, it is PC, Mac, and Linux. Twelve bucks, nine pounds, twelve euros. Twenty-five percent discount available until July fourth. So get on that and uh, see if Seven Mages. Um, oh, okay. And it's uh, it's kind of a reworking of the Seven Samurai or the Magnificent Seven concept. So you get uh, you get to be controlling. Yeah, you're controlling a party of seven mages hired by the villages. 
uh, the island's villagers to protect them and their crops from raiders. Um, but it's a first-person dungeon-crawling RPG, so however that works. Go check it out. Seven Mages. Expect, um, if it's like those other films, expect a lot of them to die. Uh, spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> if you haven't spoilers. watched like really old Kurosawa films. So there's this new game coming out called Necropolis, which is a Bandai Namco and Harebrained Schemes. Yeah, we saw this at E3. What did you think of it? Um, <coughs> that it looked really rough. It was kind of a, uh, it was going for a very low polygon count sort of look to it. So a lot okay. of sharp edges and stuff. But it looked like it was a cool roguelike All right. progression system. So well, I don't know. it's um, the collector's edition is going to have a full digital soundtrack, a customizable death certificate, a 180G soundtrack vinyl. 180 gram. Thank you. Because that's, I don't know. That's like how you measure vinyls for some reason. I okay. don't get that. Cover art that doubles as a pen and paper dungeon crawler. So they're doing this really weird because here's what they're going to do. When you buy a copy of the collector's edition, it's 50 bucks. It's uh, exclusively through the I am 8-bit online store. When the game comes out, they will send you the digital code for your game. And at some point later, they will send you the physical items from your collector's edition. Because the PC and Mac version of the game is coming out July 12th. But the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One versions are summer. So after the console versions release, you will get the physical part of your collector's edition. But until then, you just get the digital versions. That's weird. So, yeah, I'm looking up the gram thing with the vinyl, and it is it is about how heavy the record is, and then there's a lot of debate in this one thread I found about whether or not it makes it better or worse or last longer or not last longer or more likely to warp or less likely to warp, and, um, yeah. Um, so <laughs> Legend of Heroes Trail of Cold Steel 2 is coming to Europe. It will be... Um, physical and digital for both PS3 and Vita. Um, NISA, NIS America Europe is going to be publishing it. Wait, what? Yeah, so it's an X. <laughs> NIS America Europe? Yeah, it's NISA Europe. <laughs> no, that's not right. Don't that's name your called. company that. That's what Don't do called. that. Anyways, uh, it's still being published in North America by Xseed. Okay. Um, I don't think they have a release date nailed down. Fall of 2016. Yeah, for North America, mm. I don't think they have one for Europe yet. No, that's that is the Europe one. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's the Europe date. Okay. Yeah, I so, don't. Yeah, what's what's the U.S. date? I don't remember. I, <laughs> I mean, the only date that I've ever heard for Trails of Cold Steel Two is twenty sixteen. Yeah, and it's probably going to be the same. Yeah, sometime this year. Yeah. So that doesn't really. Do you? Do you know if Trails of Cold Steel is going to be like the Trails in the Sky duology where you really have to have played the first one? or? But you don't have to play... No. Uh, yes, Anna. Yes Yeah, yeah no. they're each trilogies or duologies. So like Trails of Cold Steel 2, one, or 
Trails of Cold Steel is its own little trilogy, right? So you'd want to play the first one. You can play a second chapter without playing the first game. Okay. I mean, one of the reasons... You probably wouldn't want to, but you can. Well, I mean, one of the reasons why it took me so long to play Trails in the Sky was because I had heard it it ended on a pretty nasty cliffhanger, Mm -hmm. and there was a lot of discussion as to whether or not the sequel was going to come out. And I don't do unending cliffhangers but now you know that the sequels are coming so you're good get oh, into this oh, I know. what are you doing i know it's, buy, it's just dry, nice buy can't, trails of cold steel on vita and ps4 or 3 and then i don't know if you can cross save or not but just buy it on all the platforms and just you know go to sleep at night and cover yourself in trails of discs Oh, I I, uh, I have Trails of Cold Steel. I just, when it comes to duologies like that, I like playing them all at once. Oh, it's right. a trilogy. I don't like a, or trilogy. All at I, once. I say, I say duology because technically the third Trails in the Sky game isn't that right. important. Yeah. And I wasn't sure if Trails of Cold Steel, like the third game was just kind of be going to kind of be a side story. I don't believe so. I could be wrong. We'd have to ask Adrian. She would know. Um, let's see. She works for Exceed. If you don't, yeah, you probably don't know. Uh, that. <laughs> no, she, I did, she no, was I did our not. translator like a decade ago yeah. for Arby Gamer. She's good. People laugh, but the video game industry is much, much smaller than you think it is. All right, NeoCore Games has announced a release date for the Xbox One version of Incredible Adventures of Van Helsing Two. Yes, they're still on two. We've already gotten the revamped version of the trilogy on PC, but they're getting two. Uh, came out yesterday, fifteen bucks, um, and two new pieces of DLC: um, the Shea Domovov Domovoy Mini Pet, which will come with a, blah, blah 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 blah, and <coughs> the Expurgator set, which is an armor collection. It's ninety-nine cents each, and uh, yeah, I assume that the third one will come eventually as well. So if you want more Van Helsing, you're good to go. Idea Factory made an announcement for Hyper Dimension and Mega Dimension, Hyper Dimension Neptune. What is it called? Mega, <laughs> Mega Dimension. Mega Dimension Neptunia V2. Right. It's going to be coming out on PC through Steam on July 5th. So a couple days here. Um, no pricing yet, but a 40% discount during the first week. Uh, it's the fourth mainline Neptunia title. Comes after Victory. And it was released on PS4. So this is the, the Steam release of a game that's already out. So I'm sorry. I'm way behind on my Mega Dimensions and Neptunias. So has anyone played those on this show? I've played a little bit of Hyper Dimension on the Vita. Um, I haven't been, had a chance to finish it yet. But, so you haven't kept up with it. Hmm. I, I want to. I... Yeah, the story's kind of met, but I kind of had fun with the battles and kind of all the little video gamey references in well, the weren't dungeons. Weren't they supposed to be well translated, or was that only the very first one since it was a different company? I think hmm. that was only the first one. Hmm. All right. So, what's the story about Pokemon Go, Anna? Right. So, Niantic. So the the field test, in other words, their alpha and beta test that was under NDA, the NDA lifted at the end of this week on like Wednesday or Thursday. And so people were actually free to start talking about it. And so basically through E3 and 
through the last couple of weeks, Niantic has been doing a lot of interviews. And one of the things that they keep saying over and over again is, the goal of Pokemon Go isn't to catch them all. Um, but yeah, I've been reading sort of impressions across various places on the web. And it's mostly positive, but people that don't like it really, 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 really don't like it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, also, and I learned... What, what do they not like about it? Um, there are some issues with the game. Like, for example, you don't level up Pokemon via lo via leveling. So you don't you don't fight a bunch of things and and evolve. In order to level up a Squirtle, you have to find and capture another Squirtle and sacrifice it to your better Squirtle. Whoa, that's not Pokemon-like. Yeah. Okay. That's very free-to-play mobile game-like. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and so it has sort of that merge um, mechanic going. And at the moment, it takes too many Pokemon to merge together to get anywhere. Mm -hmm. is the people's is that's the complaint of the people that don't like the game so it's not go catch them all it's go catch all the scores <coughs> yeah um also i learned that people actually think this is a game you sit on the couch and play no it's called pokemon go 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 well so is go deus ex go and um hitman go and and laura croft go and you don't have to go anywhere to play those uh they're called go like the the board game go right <laughs> but you could say so is this <laughs> yeah this is not a board game though no it's not i don't think that's a good argument okay well you you said go all you said is it called go and go. there's three go, games go. that are also called go where you don't have to get Fair up and go. argument <laughs> speaking of go final fantasy brave Exodus go to your brow go to your favorite app store wide, um on ios and android so you and I played a little bit of this. Yeah. But we don't really I, have a ton I of I played a little bit of it, too. Well, what'd you think, Kelly? Okay. If I hadn't put a billion hours into Record Keeper, this would probably be my mobile Final Fantasy game. Mm -hmm. Because it plays just like Record Keeper, but with an original cast. It doesn't play but just with... like Record Keeper. No. The battle okay. system's like very different. Here. <laughs> okay, not exactly like Record Keeper, but close enough. No, not really. It it plays. There are other games out there in this sort of multi-party genre where you tap to do abilities. Um, Brave Frontier being the biggest and baddest of them all. Brave Exodus okay. basically completely rips off Brave Frontier. And there's I'm sorry. some really major differences between Record Keeper and Brave Exodus. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I disagree. I am sorry, I misspoke. No, no, no. Not, you're off the show. Just go Fired. away. Fired. I mean, if nice you run. hadn't played something from this genre before, I can totally see why you would compare it to Record Keeper. But having okay. played several games out of this Brave Frontier genre before, there's a bunch of At the same time, Anna, it's a lot of you know grinding it's a lot of and, tapping and, and grinding and, and stuff so well, yeah and, and collecting have... and collecting final fantasy heroes from other games yeah but just it like record keeper but it also has a completely uh, unique cast of characters that is their brave x via specific so the hook on this one is it has an original story, story. whereas in record keeper you're going into the final fantasy worlds here you've got an original world an original story and you're bringing <coughs> those characters into your world right so i don't know and I was confused about the uh, 
how you recruit new heroes because you know they give you a bunch of tickets to do the summons yeah and i got like two edgars and one of them was rated at four stars and one of them was rated at three stars yeah i i all i know is they're trying to make it a bit easier to get the characters you want but that it is a random draw and you will get lots of duplicates by default they're going to add a mode to this version to, to the international version that lets you draw specific characters but it's not out yet um, they haven't released that feature yet, so they're still working on it. I mean, um, okay. ultimately, this game is free to play. So, and I mean, there are, there are a lot of people that, I mean, even on places like NeoGAF and GameFAQs, where they're like, burn the free-to-plays. People are like, I got through the entire storyline that exists at the moment, and I haven't spent a penny. So, I mean, it is entirely possible to do the storyline without spending anything i don't know about the other parts of the game well so here's where you have to get careful with free-to-play games like yes it's cool that you can get through the story but is that actually the fun part of the game that you want to play is my question right is that where you want to be spending your time and you would certainly hope it would be in an rpg but this isn't this is a free-to-play and so maybe it isn't and i i just want to know where you want to be putting your time what's attracting what's attractive to you what's fun to put your time into we need to spend more time to really get a sense of that i mean with with record keeper um the grinding isn't really the fun part of the game i wouldn't say it's being able to build up an awesome party and take down a powerful boss and for those spending money is has a lot of benefits so my question is if that's going to be the case here or not. So I don't so know. we'll have to keep playing it and kind of check back in. Yeah, I might play. I might dig into it a little bit more on off days when there's nothing going on in Record Keeper. Mm -hmm. I just I don't have a lot of time to devote to two free to play mobile games right well, now. Sure you do. Just stop playing um all that other stuff that you're playing. <laughs> and quit my job. Yeah that so um new suzuki put out a new video it's the one year anniversary of the kickstarter because e3 um he says that development is progressing apace near the end of 2015 asha mutu character models were being used for battle and conversation tests in unreal engine 4 um work began on the shenmu 3 prototype build in January 2016, and in the last six months, they've been going very well. Um, Suzuki no noted that progress is being made on battle systems and facial expressions. So that's kind of where they're at after a year of development. <coughs> so they've built the engine. They tested it with previous characters. Now they're starting to put in new characters and starting to do sort of uh, detailing. They're making progress. It's good to hear. Yeah. Because I didn't say much during E3, and it's kind of like it was getting worrisome because that was a year since the announcement of the Kickstarter. So um, Dragon's Crown is not currently available on the European PSN. What? Temporarily. Why is that? Um, well, Nisa and uh, Needless, Nisa used to be basically Atlas's European publisher. Yeah. And then Sega gave them the heave-ho. Why? Um, neither company has really specified. Oh. And so, um, Nisa's licensing agreement with Dragon Crown expired, so the game left the store. 
Um, Atlas, both Atlas and Nisa say that the game is going to be relisted with Atlas as the publisher, mm -hmm. but there's really no timeline for when that's going to happen. Mm. All right. So, screw you, Sega. Or Nisa. No, Nisa wasn't the problem. Nisa basically came out and made an announcement that's like, Sega's made it impossible to work with Atlas. So we're not working with them anymore as much as we want to be. That's weird. Yeah. You don't usually see companies comment on that. I know. And it was like, it, was, it wasn't even Nisa that commented about it. I can't get it. It you to NIS. comment like that on Harvest Moon related things. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it seems like it was a nasty breakup and we're kind of starting to see the fallout of that situation. So I'm sorry, Europe. It sucks for you. And I feel you because... I know I, you know what, Anna? I don't think that many people are crying right now in Europe that they can't get Dragon's Crown. I know. I think they have bigger <laughs> things going on, especially in Britain. I mean, the problem is, is that if you own the game and you didn't have it downloaded, you can't re-download it right now. Ah. So even it's not that you can't buy the game. It's that you can't access the game. If you had it downloaded already, you're fine. And like the online portions and stuff, they're all still working. But if you wanted to download the game now, whether you owned it or not, you're SOL until it gets republished. <coughs> so, so people are crazy that, and people are apparently think it's a news story that Reggie referred to Breath of the Wild as a system seller for yeah, NX. That was so, seriously. Like, of course it would every, be. Every website that I read. Yeah had this as like a major headline like well what i mean it's we know it's going to be a launch thing right so of course it would be a system seller they're going to say all the games that launch are system sellers <laughs> i would hope so i mean that's that's kind of how it works right but this should be the one yeah. I mean, this is the game that looks amazing so and then um the eight main characters of akaba's beat were revealed that's the sequel to akaba strip yep akaba strip um, and they also revealed their Japanese voice actors, which isn't really relevant unless you watch a lot of Japanese stuff. So the game is currently slated for a winter 26 release for North America on Vita. Kickstarter check! That's right, it's time Ow. for our Kickstarter check time. Fictorum is the first game. $25,000 goal. They've got 15000 of it. it is, the tagline is, Fictorum is an action RPG featuring customizable dynamic spellcasting and destructible structures. <coughs> Ow! <laughs> and uh, if you play pledge $1, you get a thank you. If you do $15, you get a digital copy of the game on release. And uh, if you, excuse me, if you get a, uh, yeah, $15, the early bird, 20 bucks, otherwise gets you a copy of the game. And then it is $2,500 for the God tier. You'll be the God of this world and it will bear your design. Um, you will receive everything at the creator level. So who wants to spend $2,500 on a destructible environment action RPG? Anyone? Not I. Nope. No? All right. You going to do it, Anna? Ow. Are you going to do it, Anna? Ow. Anna, are you going to do it? <laughs> Anna? I can't hear you. Anna? Is she getting up to hit you or something? I don't know. I think, like, 
the audio on the video I started was loud at first, and somehow it hurt her ears. So <laughs> her ears are ringing. She says, "Yeah, when you did the Kickstarter yell." Yeah. <laughs> no, not the Kickstarter yell. Uh, I played the video on their Kickstarter, and apparently it was too loud. Oh. So she's she's like, "Oh, my ears." Sorry, Anna. I turned it down as soon as I could. So, Ekenfell is our next Kickstarter for the week. It is a goal of 19,523, and it's at 24,304. Uh, has a very weird artwork thing going on there with a lady with electric, electric bolts coming out of her fingers. Uh, its tagline is Ekenfell is an RPG adventure about witches, wizards, and the school they attend and the trouble they get into. Explore a school of magic. Um, let's see. $5 Canadian gets you into it as uh, your name in the credits. Uh, to get a copy of the game, it's $12 Canadian, and then you'll also be in the credits. And if you want to go all the way up, it's $1,000 Canadian. Uh, you get everything in the $40 tier, plus help us to design an in-game monster for the player to fight. So you get to design an in-game mini-boss, you get an early copy of the game, a PDF art book, the soundtrack, animated special credits, wallpapers. Who's going to jump on the $1,000 train? Nobody, probably. Right. Nope. Nope. Though, one thing I've been sorely tempted to kickstart is that gaming table. Have you seen that? Uh, there's so many gaming tables out there, I don't know what you're uh, referring to. But it's, uh, they've been at some of the packs. They make these, you know, all custom-made yeah. wooden game tables. And they're usually pretty expensive, like a couple grand. Yeah. But they have one on Kickstarter right now where they're going to mass, not mass produce, but uh, economy of scale kind of thing. And I think they're all five or six hundred dollars. Let's see. I'm to right now. Is it the Duchess from BoardGameTables.com? Yes. yes. BoardGameTables.com. They're pretty awesome, and I want one. I just don't have a spot to put it. And so there, you that can is like a not the one that I'm used to seeing. I'm used to seeing, like, Shea Geek or whatever. Um, the other ones? I've but seen so. these guys once. That's why I got their info. Um, I signed up on, like, their mailing list. At one, I think maybe PAX East a couple years ago. Okay. Yeah, so that's... um. This video is funny. Uh, <laughs> all right, so this the Duchess, a gaming table mm -hmm. from BoardGameTables.com. Um, it looks like a pretty standard. Uh, it's a gaming table with a felt surface and kind of a two-inch indent. So it's like, you know, there's there's a the, the surface is lowered inside. So it also has a lid, so you can put like a actual top to the table and use it as a dinner table. So that's good. Um, and it'll protect your game underneath from getting knocked down or yeah. cats or something. That's right. So you can store it for later. Um, it has cup holders on the side, and uh, they want $40,000. They're at $1.4 <laughs> So they've slightly hit their goal. It is $500 to get a table. Um, you get the table, and you get shipping. Oh, no, you have to pay shipping extra, 50 bucks, 60 bucks or whatever. So they have tiers. $500 gets you a table. $560 gets you a table and four cup holders. $740 gets you the table and the topper. $800 gets you the table, four cup holders, and a topper. So those are your, those are your components. What are you going to jump in for, Jonathan? Uh, I'd probably have to do the whole thing. The but whole I've, thing, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean the topper's not, but I guess I would really wouldn't need a topper unless I was going to use it as a dinner table. But protecting, say if you play a game and you're done for the day or the night or for a few hours, you can always put the topper on to make sure nothing happens to the pieces. That's really nice because you know you can never leave a game out with kids or cats or something. They'll just go and wreck it. So, mm -hmm. but I've been I've been following these guys for a few years and always on their tables and they're usually a couple grand and now you can get one of those tables for cheap. And the playing surfaces looks really nice. It's got that little ridge so your dice or pieces don't fall off the side. So sorely tempted. I, I keep I'll dig up this little page every couple days and think long and hard about getting one. <laughs> how bad would your wife? How bad would your wife kill you? Uh, she'd probably use it. The, she would be fine with me getting it. She only raised the complaint that where are we gonna put it right now? And that's the big fair question because we have a dinner table. Ooh. Oh well, that that's cool. So that's the same issue for us. Like, where would we put it? Um, mm -hmm. But they've they've hit stretch goals, so they're using higher quality wood than they originally planned, so that's good. And they've got a reversible game pad in there, so it's not a felt surface, it's a pad, so I guess it will be replaceable. Mm -hmm. And you can change the sides so you get different colors. And what's nice, too, is that pad's got a little give. So you know where you try to pick up cards and you, like, you get to like grab them with your fingernail and try to get them off the table? You kind of just push down on the pad and you can just pull cards off mm -hmm. easily. So that's it, it doesn't seem like a lot until you actually do it, and you're like, oh, this is really nice. So, those of you who like board games, it's worth looking into. And the corners are slightly more rounded, they say, because of user feedback. Um, it's called rubber board. Uh, it's made out of rubber wood, um, <coughs> whatever that means, um, which is also known as parawood, heavia brasilensis, or Malaysian oak. And, okay. Okay, see, interesting little thing. I work for a furniture company, so rubber wood is supposed to be like one of the most durable yet sustainable woods woods out there. Oh, okay. So all right, yeah. All right, so we got some we got some endorsement so, here. My 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 useless furniture knowledge for work came in handy for once. Good job. All right. <laughs> um, you have to assemble the legs because they can't ship it with the legs on, but it looks easy. And yeah, it's a nice looking table. I'll have to have Anna look at it when her hearing return when her hearing returns, excuse me. <laughs> um and System Shock got a Kickstarter. <coughs> um they want nine hundred thousand. They just launched a couple days ago. They're at seven hundred thirty three thousand already. Um so this is System Shock. It's a remake of the original genre defining classic from nineteen ninety four, uh built from the ground up with the Unity engine. Um this is Night Dive Studios, and I think Sean Elliott is involved, which if you're a old one-up guy, you might know that. More importantly, Chris Avalon is writing it, um, which I thought so I thought Chris Avalon went to work somewhere else. Oh, I can't keep this stuff straight. So that's uh, that's uh, that's happening. Uh, for five bucks, you get Kickstarter email updates and a. First of all, you don't need to spend money to get the email updates. I've learned, so that's kind of silly to list that as a thing. You also get a, a wallpaper pack. For twenty-five dollars, you get a copy of the game as well as a Tri Optimum handbook and a RepairBot forum SSR badge. Blah 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 blah. That's all gone. So now you have to spend thirty bucks to get the game. And then if we go. Okay, there's a demo out, so you can see the demo of this 
remade version available on GOG, Steam, and Humble. And then finally, if you want to spend lots of money, the Shodan tier. Come to an exclusive private party hosted by Stephen Kick, Rob Waters, and other key members of the System Shock team. Must be able to travel to Portland, Oregon. Signed by Big Box Collector's Edition by all members of the System Shock Remastered team. You'll also be an honorary board member of the Trioptimum Corporation with an in-game portrait of yourself hanging on the wall. You get a Shodan Hacker Forum badge, Shodan credit in the game, and you'll also receive 30 digital collector's editions. 30 collector's editions. Um, a custom System Shock gaming laptop. Wait, what? What? Why? Okay. Exclusive access to the developer forums. Exclusive access to the closed beta. Digital copies of System Shock Enhanced 2015 and System Shock 2 1999. Um, there you go. They're estimating this game will come out in December of 2017. Um, okay. If they're that close on it, I don't know why they needed this much money from the public, but whatever. It seems a lot more one of those we're judging public interest for other people to invest in publishing deals, sort of Kickstarters, because it's pretty far along already. And, uh, yeah, there you go. <coughs> System Shock 2. Is that, a, is that a you game, Jonathan? Is that one of your... Yes and no. I, I I know I like it. I haven't played it, and that's probably blasphemy for a PC gamer fan, oh, yeah. but it's one of those that... I, I, during the time it came out, I wasn't... I think I didn't have a good PC for gaming, so I kind of missed that window. But I think I have it on Steam, so it's one of those I've been meaning to go and play. I just never have. All right. And Anna is... Are you typing me messages? Okay. Um, Anna's typing because her ears are not working, I guess. I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> I, I'm in a weird alternate reality. Help me. Free me. All right. We are on to the briefs, not so, the underwear kind of briefs. New right. Pokemon info was to be revealed on July 1st. Was it? And to bide your time before that, they um, released c coloring pages for the new starters on the Japanese Pokemon site. Wait, what? Yep. Where do I get those coloring pages? Um, hang on, let me get them. I want color. You should print those out and color them, It's like Pokemon.co.jp, I think. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I I really I really thought about importing those into Photoshop and coloring them, but I've been so <laughs> I've been so busy working on you guys' new logo that I haven't uh, had a chance to. Now so, it's out. So, Kelly, we commissioned Kelly to do a logo, right? I yeah. think we commissioned. Yeah, we should commission. Yes, yeah. we didn't commission. Yes, and so Kelly will be making a new podcast logo, and she's working on it, and it's coming. It looks good. So. And in the meantime, prior to July first, that. The Nintendo uh, UK announced a new Pokemon-themed 3DS and Steelbook versions of the new games coming out. And then everything got leaked on June 30th. Well, oh, what was it? What were the things that were leaked? Um, seven new Pokemon. Oh, that's it. Yep. Oh. And a, a bunch of all little minor little details. I that... want these coloring things. I can't find them. Oh my god! Let me get you the freaking link. Chris, do you have adult coloring books? I Anna do. Marie has a. I bought Anna Marie an adult coloring book. She likes it, but she hasn't put much time into it lately. So, you know, it's it's. So Anna Marie is <coughs> like Anna Marie is like having a seven-year-old, where you buy them things and they're into it for like a month, and then it goes on the shelf with a bunch of other stuff they were into for a month, and you don't really know if she's ever going to come back to it. So they also there's also been a bunch of announcements for announcements. 
So they announced that the new Inazuma 11 game will be announced on July 27th. And Sega announced that on July 26th there will be an announcement for Yakuza 6's release date in Japan. Hey Chris, will we ever finish Yakuza 5? No. Um, um, Speaking of three-year-olds, maybe by the time it comes here. All right. <laughs> so there is like eight million Breath of the Wind English interviews with Aonuma, and like everybody seems to love the game post E3. And all of them have like these little details that other interviews don't have, so it's kind of driving me crazy because it's not like I can compile together all the details from reading one site. Anyways, speaking of Pokemon. Um, the first three Pokemon Mystery Dungeon games are now available on the Wii U Virtual Console. So there's one GBA game and one DS game. And the GBA game and one of the DS games are the partner games. So uh, like, what? <laughs> so you know how there's like partner games for all the Pokemon Mystery Dungeon game? No. Okay, well there's part... There's what does part that mean? So th it's like getting a Pokemon game where it's red and blue. Yes. Yeah. So all of the Pokemon Mystery Dungeon games have partner games. Right. But the first set is one's GBA and the other one's DS. Huh? Yeah. Isn't that I'm, crazy? No, I don't know what you mean. You know exactly what I mean. You know how Red there's X and Y? Yeah. Yeah. And there are two two games that have the same story. Yeah. But they have cosme like cosmetic differences, Pokemon you can't catch. Yeah. Yeah. All of the Pokemon Mystery Dungeon games have the same sort of partner games. When you, huh? There's Moving Red on. Rescue Team on the GBA, and then there's Blue Rescue Team on the DS. And even though they're on different systems, that it's like Pokemon. But that wasn't a thing. That's not how that worked. Yeah, it was. No. Yeah, it's the only set like that. Okay. Oh. Okay. I thought that Explorers of the Sky and Explorers of Dark or er, Darkness was a partner, and then no, they released the it's Sky and Time. Yeah, Sky and Time, and then they released a third one that was like the Yellow Crystal. Yeah, yeah. So, and then the most recent two that have been released didn't have a partner game. They're kind of yeah. all over the place with how they standardize Mystery Dungeon games. Anyone? Oh, yeah. Aonuma also says he wants to do a multiplayer Zelda after Breath of the Wind. Sorry. Hopefully he will do. Hopefully he will do one that doesn't alienate couples. Goodness, that would be great. What? What? You can't play. Oh, right, 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 right. Triforce right. Heroes with two. Well, people. you know, it's okay because Triforce Heroes isn't that that good of a game, right? So. I liked it. I just. Then why haven't you finished it? Because it sucks to play single player, and I can't find two friends so that want to play it at the, the same time. So the game sucks to play, but it's a good game. It sucks to play. I think a you just don't play. want to admit that a Zelda game isn't good. It sucks to play single player. It didn't look it that great to play multiplayer. Enjoyable to play multiplayer. Well. It's one of those games that needs an optimal set of <coughs> circumstances to be able to enjoy to its 100%. Like Four Swords? Yeah, and that's not exactly a good gameplay experience. I want to play Four Swords with Chris. No, you don't. But all he will do is throw pots on my You're head, damn set right. me on fire, and throw Because that's all you tell me about in that game, and you've built it up and hyped it so much, I have to do it now if I ever play with you. Don't be fucked. Chris sounds as... Chris sounds as trolly as my husband. Mm. 
Uh, Final Fantasy fourteen characters. <laughs> Record Keeper. Yes, they are. Papa Limo and Ida and someone else. And, and the other two that were already there, Ishula yeah. and the guy whose name I never remember. And I can finally <laughs> level up Ishula to 80. There you go. She's my best... Is my best healer. Do you have her uh, super soul break thing? Yes. Stone yes, that's skin two why. or whatever. Nice. No, oh. um, I have the Medi- medica two. A medica two. Oh, great! It's that's it's even great better. because it's great because she's the best healer. But because if she was only sixty five, she was squishy. Mm-hmm. This, this is nice for you. You could, you, yeah, you could just beat all the things now. Mm-hmm. <coughs> oh. RPG so. Maker g- game thinks about what? I, I'm, hold on. Let me reread so this. So this is an RPG Maker game that thinks about what Final Fantasy IV would be like if the characters made different choices. Okay. So it's an RPG Maker game. Uses like the PSP um, sort of look to the game. Okay. How? So I thought how it, has I, Square, how has Square not seen deed this? I know, <laughs> which is why I was like, we should talk about this before it disappears completely. So yeah, I mean, if if you're, sur- I thought it was a cool little story. I mean, obviously this is gonna get DNC completely off the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, they actually added a couple of really cool little features, like um, there's uh. There's a little compass that's had her, it's like a train odyssey where the compass fills up as the closer you are going to get to um, an encounter. Um, oh, and enemies have health bars. Oh, this is weird. Can you download this for free? Or? I, yeah, yeah, of course. Okay. Um, yeah, hang on. Let me see if. Yeah, it's on Game Jolt. Let me put the uh, <coughs> let me put the link in Skype. Skype link. Doop. Yeah, because I I, I want to download this before it gets yeah destroyed from the internet. <laughs> so yeah. Um, Speaking of things being destroyed from the internet, there was a Final Fantasy VII Monopoly post on Merchoid.com. Um, Silicon Arrow wrote a story about it, and if you try and go and find the game, uh, all the pages are not found. <laughs> Awesome. So they pulled it down? I guess. I don't know. There's no follow-up on the story. No one in the Silicon Air comments mentions it. I don't actually know what happened to this thing. It was going to come out April 14, 2017, according to Merchoid.com, and now I don't know if it's even ever going to be a thing. So it was a $50 set for Monopoly, and Anna put in the notes here, $50 for Monopoly, and then I'm going to point her at the Zelda Monopoly sitting on our bookshelf out there that she wanted, and what do you think that cost? Oh. <laughs> Probably more than that. Okay. <laughs> Custom figure monopolies are expensive, but they're a thing. There was a Pokemon monopoly too, apparently, at one point. Well, I found out yesterday that, that supposedly anybody, supposedly monopolies in the public domain, so anybody can make a monopoly game. Oh yeah. I think the legal stuff is just like the the money guy. Whatever his name is, money bags. Uncle Penny bags. Yeah, penny bags. You can't yeah. use him. Okay. And I don't think you can use all of the place names. Hmm. Well, and I think the name is trademarked. Well, yeah. 
So if you tried to make Pocaopoly, I'd be fine. No. Yes, you would. I've seen place. I've seen like Catopoly and um, like college teams, like Kansas Stateopoly or what have you, in stores. Okay, so now I'm actually looking it up. Um, you can <laughs> you can use the board, provided that the location names have been changed, and you can use a name that ends in Opoly. So, um, I don't know. Someone else will have to make that Final Fantasy VII thing, apparently, because <coughs> it looks like it's uh, maybe it, it just wasn't maybe ready to be maybe Square Enix C and D this instead of the RPG Maker game by accident. <laughs> um, <laughs> Hyrule Warriors on both 3DS and Wii U got a new DLC pack with Marin on June 30th. This is the this is the girl that you meet in Link's Awakening. So, I don't speaking know what of games do. where it's all just a dream, yeah. <laughs> And we've come full circle. Um, well, not only is it just a dream, these people exist in that dream. So you have to choose: Are you going to de- destroy all these people so are that you, you can wake up? Oh, that's terrible. And I, I, I love Marin's special moves in that one. I, in the video, she uh, summons the wind fish. Oh, nice. Um, me and my brother actually got in like deep, deep trouble and got grounded off of our Game Boy because of that game. We found out you could steal stuff. We were talking Explain. about it with each other, and my mother got furious because you because you stole stuff and yes. from the shopkeeper. Yes, she got to go and she grounded you for <laughs> stealing from the game shopkeeper. Yes. Wow. <laughs> aren't, aren't, wow. Aren't you glad that Fable didn't exist when you was a kid? You would have <laughs> never gotten out of grounding. <laughs> <coughs> oh dear. Mom. Mom, the moral choice in games. Wow. <laughs> Thief, you're grounded. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Tales of Berseria, they had a big release where they showed off a bunch of their cooking features and stuff. There's screenshots. Go check it out. Pharaonic um, is a game that came out. I hadn't heard about it, so I want to make sure I mentioned it here. Uh, it's on Steam. It's an RPG, a side-scrolling RPG, apparently. It's like $16, so go see if you like it or not. Um, God Eater Resurrection finally came out, so that's the redo of God Eater Burst. Um, so that's on PS4, digital only, for 20 bucks. So if you want to get some Monster Hunter-esque type action, go go for it on your PS4. Um, Adventures of Mana is out now. Surprise! Surprise! It's uh, So this has been out on iOS for a while, but it's now out on Vita as well. So if you want to play with like you know a gamepad and stuff, um, there you go. Fourteen bucks on your Vita. Um, Maxstorm seems to be excited for it, so we'll see how well that does. I, I played a little bit of it. The controls are not good. Oh really? Even um, on the Vita? Yeah, my it it com- You can use the thumbstick, but touchscreen controls work, and my thumb keeps hitting the touchscreen and making my character go crazy. Oh. Hmm. Can you use the D-pad to get your thumb further away? Oh. What? Um, I'm. I don't think I've tried using the D-pad, but you know, I like the thumbstick. Yeah, I know. And it was just, it was just getting on my nerves. And it seems like they didn't update the game very well because I have no clue where I'm supposed to be going. Oh. 
and so- Sword of Mana wasn't like that at all. But would you call that a gameplay issue with controls or just uh, a hardware issue that you have with the Vita? Probably just a hardware issue. I don't know. I I was a little turned off by the controls in it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so Sword of Mana, tell me, good game or bad game? I enjoyed Sword of Mana. So I was reading about this Adventures of Mana, and a lot of people were saying in the comments I was reading on how this is much better than the Sword of Mana remake on GBA. And I was like, what? I thought people liked the Sword of Mana remake. So no one else has an opinion on it, though. Okay. Well, so Kelly liked it, so that's something. I didn't play it. Um, Final Fantasy Adventure, of course, the original release of this title in the U.S. So this is the third version of this game now. Adventures of Mana, and uh, if you're wondering, it is the first game in the second Densetsu series, so this is your prequel, not prequel, because it came out before it, so this is the first game in, you know, Secret of Mana, so if you want to see the story of Secret of Mana before Secret of Mana, you would want to play this game, right? Well, I, I will also say, though, that... Go ahead. I will also say that the music is really freaking good. Now, do you play with the Vita slash iOS version music, or do you play with the original GB Game Boy music? Um, I was playing it with the Vita ver- music or the remastered music because it was so epic. Yeah. Okay. It was like it was like Yee's game level epic. So what I don't know is where does the Game Boy sort of mana music fit in compared to you those? can switch. Is that well? I mean. So there's the Game Boy music from Adventure of Mana, right? Mm-hmm. Or Final Fantasy Adventure, rather. Then there's mm-hmm. Sword of Mana, and then there's this. And how many music huh. tracks are there? Just the two. They're arranged soundtrack and the original 8-bit soundtrack. Okay. But you can switch on the fly. All right. but So that means the, the Game Boy Advanced Sword of Mana music is not in this? No. Okay. But that doesn't matter because the the Game Boy Advance kind of had a crappy it did, sound didn't it? to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. All right. Also, a, a demo for Seventh Dragon is out now, so you can go uh, check that out. That's the same demo we played at E three, so you can see what you think of it, um, and uh, go in, experience Seventh Dragon for the first time in in the West. And um, then finally, it's time for trailers, Anna. Trailers. <laughs> First off, we have a trailer for SMT4 Apocalypse. You said it already. What? You said it already. Oh, then we have several trailers for Yokai Watch 3. And then we have a we have a trailer for that cut where Kotokawa talks about God Wars <coughs> Beyond Time. There is a trailer for Ease 8. And a Black Rose Valkyrie trailer. And Grand Kingdom trailer. A Technomancer trailer. Um, we already talked. There's even more Yokai Watch Three stuff that we would be classified as trailers. <laughs> and then we have a Super Robot the Moon Wars the Moon trailers, the Moon Dwellers. <laughs> Damn it, I said it now. <laughs> and then finally, Death's Gambit has a trailer. So go watch the trailers. My God, get through the trailer. She's gonna die. I know. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time for feedback, folks. Woo! Thanks for sitting through the news. That was a long one. 
Um, feedback. First off, we got a message from Brennan who says, Dear RP Gamers, first off, let me say I've enjoyed hearing Kelly on the podcast in recent weeks. She is funny, and I feel like she is on Team Anna when it comes to podcast discussion so that Chris doesn't always think he's right. Just kidding, Chris. I'm ready because I just went on Amazon to look for a book and I saw a Final Fantasy game box I'd never seen before and it was like, yes, Final Fantasy port for PlayStation Vita and PC. And then being slightly less excited but still happy when I saw it was actually Final Fantasy XII The Zodiac Age, which coming out just for PS4. Amazon lists the release date as December 2017, which I'm assuming is a placeholder or the earliest remaster announcement ever. But then it, this is the same company that says their remake of Final Fantasy VII will have multiple installments. My first reaction is that I hope no one has hasn't played Final Fantasy XII before doesn't get confused about the subtitle The Zodiac Age and thinks it somehow ties in with The Zodiac Killer or something other than that I'm super excited about the HD audio and visual improvements for the remaster and it will be the reason I finally break the piggy bank to get a PS4. What do the podcasts think about Final Fantasy XII remaster and the announced Elder Scrolls Skyrim remaster? Woo! Um, yay for Final Fantasy XII, Y for Skyrim why oh yeah. okay so i'm also yay for final fantasy 12 i don't know if i'm going to spend the time to replay it for skyrim i'm very excited to get a pre-modded version that will probably perform better than just putting all the mods on yourself and with all the the extra stuff in there and i'm gonna i've totally gone in and prepped my skyrim character for import um, under the presumption that there will be a way to get my Skyrim character in there. I'm totally ready to go. I'm eligible for the free upgrade to the to the remaster of Skyrim upon because I own all the DLC pieces, and I'm ready to get my God Rays or whatever other mods they are importing to that thing. Well, you know what's going to happen is no. it's going to come out, and then there's going to be, it does this and this pretty good, but it still does this shitty and shitty this way. So then they're going to have graphics mods anyway just for the remaster. <laughs> Well, I didn't put on graphics mods because I found that, you know, the graphics mods tend to be not optimized all the time. And I don't, I don't know, maybe that's just me. But I, I am going to want, for Skyrim, I'm going to want to see what other, what other people say and how much better the game is versus the old version. Because I have the old version on Steam. I bought it for like five bucks. See, now if you have all the DLC, the you get it for free. If you don't have all the DLC, then yeah, you'd need to show up money for this. Yeah, I do not have all of the DLC. I just kind of bought the base version because it was really cheap on Steam. Mm, and I may I, have all the I, DLC. I just want to see. I want to see what other people are saying. I want to see if it's really worth it to upgrade. Um, as for Zodiac, or I keep wanting to call it Zodiac Killer. <laughs> <laughs> Zodiac Age, that's going to be a day one purchase. And thank you for the compliments. They made my week. Yeah. All right. People like people like me. Yes, you are liked by by many people. <laughs> oh, Anna, are you excited for FF12 Remaster? I don't know yet. Uh-oh. Why not? Cuz I just re- Cuz you just, just played, played it. it. <laughs> See, I've been meaning to to replay 12. I never beat it. And then now this gives me the perfect opportunity to wait and then play it again. I actually, I don't know, it's a fairly divisive game, but I really like 12. I think 12 is one of the more underrated ones in the entire series. I don't think it's underrated. I think it reviewed extremely well at the time. And while there are some people who don't prefer it to other styles of Final Fantasy, I don't know that anyone's saying it's a bad game. Well, I think it reviewed well, but I don't think it has a very good following amongst fans now. Okay. 
Yeah. I think uh, critic reception at first was good, but I think some of the fan reactions was pretty uh, hit or miss on it. Yeah. If I recall, I think that's kind of the reputation it has. Yeah, you're probably right. And what uh, I can't, even, I should know his name. The the tactics ogre guy that I really like. Matsuno. Yeah, Matsuno. Uh, you, I like. You can tell how directors change, and it seemed kind of unfinished towards the end. Maybe that's why I stopped playing it. Maybe it got less interesting. But I, th- I liked his. You can feel his touch on the game, and in his vision, and the the kind of way the story is, and it's kind of that politically type story, but. You could also see how I think the main character is not who he wanted as the main character, and people really hate uh, the main character in Twelve. Mm-hmm. So there's there's some good and the bad, but I, I really like that aspect of it, and uh, I wish he would have finished the game and they would have let him do it the way he wanted to, because I love all of his games. So it looks like I started Final Fantasy Twelve on the 14th of January, 2014. And I finished it on the 10th of February, 2014. So it took me a month to play it. It was like 80 hours, I think, by the end. You kill all the little side bosses, the hunts? Mm, well, hang on. Hear me. Here is me loading it. This is the final video. This is part 30. No. I know she <laughs> no. didn't do all the hunts. I That's didn't right. do all of them. But let's see how many hours I put into this. <clears throat> I get sucked into doing all the side stuff. Yeah. Must do I also hunts. didn't like doing all the hunts in 13, so I didn't do them all there either. I liked doing all the hunts, but once they got to the point to where they were just handing my butt to me, I was like, okay, I'm done with the skim. I'm going to go beat it. All right. Yeah, it took me 80 hours. 75, actually, I should say. Yep. Yeah, it was just some of those so. things were just. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of feel like I'm. it's kind of going to be a game time decision, no pun intended. If I it's, feel when like... When is that thing actually coming out? It's coming out this next year, year, I thought. Next no? year. Next year? Okay. Next year. Yeah. Next year Amazon no has the, the 2017 placeholder on it. Yeah. It, um, I'm not... I want to say they said Q2, but now I'm doubting myself. All right. We have some more feedback from the walking dude who says this show has really influenced my game playing decisions. Alice convinced me to buy Stellaris, which is great, and Anna Marie sold me on Atelier Sophie. Also Omega Quintet, kind of, because it was ninety percent off recently. Yeah. I think I told a lot of people on Twitter to buy it. Because it was ninety percent off. Uh Budai wrote in the, and said his faves from E three were Final Fantasy fifteen and Persona five. And they're still his top games. But Horizon Zero Dawn has got really great monster designs. And that's true. Man. And then Brennan wrote in again and said, Hey, Anna, please comment on the new Vans X Pokemon line of clothing. Try again. Vans Cross Pokemon line of clothing. Try again. Vans Cross Nintendo line of clothing. Much better. There you go. <laughs> I don't know why Pokemon was my... <laughs> um... Here's the honest answer. I had never heard of Vans as a brand before oh, I this have. crossover. They make dumb shoes that... they Yeah, and so I looked into it, and they are like a crazy awesome shoe company. I don't know if I'd say awesome. They do a lot of cool crossover They make expensive, stuff. like, fashionable shoes, but I don't know if they're actually good or worth wearing on your feet. Okay. Well, they've existed for over 50, 60 years at this point, so if they sucked, they probably would have gone out of business by now. 
They were big following. I, I know a lot of people. It's a lot of, I think a lot of teens like them too. And, uh, that doesn't surprise me because I looked up where to buy them in Vancouver and it was like two skate shops and a skate yeah. clothing shop. They're like skater shoes. and. Yeah. But if they've been around for 50 years, they can't have been targeting teens the whole time. No, it sounds like they have been. Well, that's weird. Yeah, it's just a thing. So their their user base ages out. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah, I'm sorry. I don't. Do know you want to say. do you want to shoot with a bunch of Nintendo controllers on it? No. I don't know. So you're not into it. No, because I am cheap as hell when it comes to clothes. No, you are not. What are you talking about? When I can be. Okay. I'm, I'm with Anna. Yeah, I mean, if I find something that I like, the maybe way it's that just because it maybe good. this is just how women's clothing works. But yeah. Whenever we go to buy things, it's always way more expensive than my stuff. Yeah. And she's telling me she's cheap clothing. with clothing. It's like whatever. Here's oh. the thing: yeah, is like, I will find something that fits, and I will buy like five versions of the same thing, and then it will be two or three years or more before I end up buying anything else. My clothes are much more expensive than my wife's. What are you I, buying? I would, much more expensive. What are you buying? Shark suit suits or like, something? She goes to buy stuff on sale all the time on these websites. That, Here's like, the problem. Uh, is I, I, I have a problem waiting until the end of the season and stuff is on sale because I don't... I'm like between sizes and I'm all over the place. And American sizes piss me off because nothing is standardized. I am literally one of four sizes depending on which clothing shop that I go to. Yeah. They don't make women's clothing for Amazons like my body type. For and Amazons, I, I have very, I have very large shoulders. Okay. And I would rather go get my wisdom teeth pulled again than have to go shop in the women's section. Don't <laughs> <laughs> see. I'm also a pretty big guy, so I like wear size 14 or 15 shoes. So I have to find special places to buy those. And so your feet won't even I, fit in the van's shoes then? Nope. They probably only go up to 12s or 13s. Mm. Hey, is my microphone working? Yes. Yes. Okay. I had to I had to drop the call and rejoin it. Oh, I'm sorry. Weird. Um, right. No, it's okay. I, I accidentally pulled out my yep. microphone a while ago. They only ago. go up to size 13, men. Alice, do you buy van's shoes? I don't no, think they exist but in the I do UK, spend... Well, I I just need to generally rework, rework my wardrobe anyway. Yeah, and I, I mean, have the broad... you're in a different situation than us. <laughs> yeah, well, I have the broad shoulder problem as well. Oh yeah, I suppose so. Although there is an if for anyone who happens to be listening to it from England who happens to fall into a similar problem, uh, try the the uh, the chain Long Tall Sally. Long Tall Sally. Yep, it's designed for people who are like over six foot. Um, I went into their, they, they mostly sell stuff online, um, but they have a, um, they have a shop uh, near, I think it's Baker Street in London. And it was the first time that I've gone into a, sh a clothing shop like that, where the peop other people shopping were the same height as me. So Kelly, you may want to check this out because they exist in the US as well. Oh, do they? Oh, oh really? Okay. Yeah, but I don't yeah, know Long Tall Sally. They have us.longtallsally.com, but it may be online only. I'm trying to figure that out. But 
But yeah, but that's so they're specifically designed for people with who are either tall, broad-shouldered, large shoe, you know, large shoe sizes. Um, they're like the only place I know to find women's shoes in sizes larger than about a, a, a UK ten. Now, bear, yeah, here we are. Uh, style starts at five foot eight and shoe size seven. Cool. So, um, when it comes to certain things, I have had to buy stuff from here. I want it. So I've learned that I like tall T-shirts, and I didn't know that was yeah. a sizing thing. But I don't know where to get them. Um, I go to Casual Mail XL, and I it's where I get. You can get like the regular X's and X like two XT or three XT. So you get the that's the tall versions. Yeah. Okay. I have to find most that. of my I'm six three, and a lot of my height is in my torso. So I'm only shirt, like five ten, but I just because of my weight and because of just well, how I'm built, I need a longer T-shirt. Otherwise, things ride up too high. <laughs> so. And I'm constantly yanking a shirt. Yeah. Back See, I'm, yeah, unless... I'm the opposite. All of my shortness is in my legs, and that's where I start to run into problems because I need a specific pant size, and I need it to be in like petite length. And there are some people that even have a shorter. Um, so Lane Bryant has like a, sh a shorter than petite length in some of their pants. Yeah. So unless I, I go really, yeah. sorry, go sorry. Ahead. Unless I go really baggy with blouses, um, wearing women's tops feels like wearing a straight jacket for me. Uh, I think in order to get around the shoe size problem at one point, uh, one of the first pairs I sh of shoes I bought were shoes specifically designed for drag queens. <laughs> that's how big my feet, that's how big my feet are. What, now, okay. What makes a shoe designed for a drag queen as opposed it to was, a cross-dresser, as it, opposed to a, a, just a woman or a man? Hmm? It was more the, the place it was being sold. Yeah, as far as I'm aware, the shop in which has a physical location in Brighton specifically advertises towards the drag community. Oh, okay. I'm guessing they don't. A lot of places don't make women-style shoes in very large sizes. Yeah, basically. No, they don't. I mean, my local Marks and Spencer. I buy most of my stuff from Marks and Spencers because they were the first place that I figured out the sizing charts for. Um, however, my local branch of that in this country uh, rarely stocks over a size 20. I'm a size 22. Hmm. Fashion cast. Yep. No, this is good. I'm <laughs> learning things. Anna, there's a there's a DXL, which is kind of the same umbrella of brands as this casual male XL near the place where we got your uh, anniversary present. Oh, so okay. Maybe we'll stop over there for Sounds me. Good. <laughs> okay, everyone, go spend clothing sales all over because Fourth of July, <coughs> right? So, all right. Voicemail. Voice, oh, voicemail. Um, we don't have time. We're going to do the voicemail later. Okay. Um, sorry. Um, we'll get to you. Thanks, Matt, for calling, and we'll get it next week. Um, and then we have new releases. Um, if you'd like to see what the new releases are, let me tell you them. PlayStation 4 is getting Carmageddon Max Damage, Doodle God, Ro Doodle God Romance <laughs> of the Three Kingdoms 13, Spy Chameleon, Banner Saga 2, I think... Um, but it's confusing because it might be coming out early. We're not sure. We don't know. Uh, Energy Hook, Foodie, The Lossy, oh, sorry, just Lossy, and Rocket League Collector's Edition, a retail release. 
for Xbox One, PC, and PS4. Uh, rem- and we talked about that. And Hawken. That's a free-to-play shooter, isn't it? Got it. Xbox One is getting Carmageddon max damage. The Banner Saga 2, which we already talked about. Um, and Rocket League Collector's Edition. The Wii U is getting Invenoid, or it got, because the Wii U stuff is already it's already out. So Invenoid, Prism Pets, and Super Mario RPG. 3DS got uh, the Battle Cats Pop and Box Box Boy, which is the sequel to Box Boy, which I still haven't finished Box Boy, so I should really see what's going on with Box Box Boy. Um, on the PC, Mega Dimension Neptunia Limited Edition Trilogy Pack. Ooh, it's a retail collector's edition for PC? What? Um, Mega Dimension Neptunia V2, we talked about it earlier in the show. In case of emergency, release Raptor, which sounds like a great concept. I think in every emergency, you should always release a Raptor. Um, Romance of Three Kingdoms 13, come to Steam. The Incredible Adventures of Van Helsing 2 was on Xbox One. I don't know why I pasted it into this section of the thing. I'm sorry for mentioning it here. Uh, Rocket Leads Collector's Edition is also for PC. Romance of the Kingdoms 13, I already said already, because I double and pasted it. The Room 2 is coming to PC, which is funny because they're up to the Room 3, but whatever. Um, Castle Storms hitting the, the Rift and the Gear VR, which that'd be a fun game in, in VR maybe. Uh, Inside is out on PC. The Lion Song, Episode 1. Uh, Nurse Love Addiction. What? Trizeal Remix, which is a shmup. And Foodie. Um, I don't know what Nurse Love Addiction is, but um, check with your parents. All right, and uh, that's it for the show. Um, if you'd like to leave feedback for us, there's three ways to do it. Podcast.rpgamer.com is the email address that emailed in there. We actually check it nowadays. Woo! Uh, forums.rpgamer.com. Forums.rpgamer.com is where you can go to the message boards. and uh, or Excuse me, the message forums. And leave your show feedback in the latest update section of the forum where we post all the shows. Um, and of course you can send us replies on Twitter and Facebook and all that sort of good stuff. But, uh, the sure ways into the show are the email address, the forums and 608-729-4098 where you get the voicemail. And, uh, I think we'll have more time to play those next week. So, um, also you can join us live for the show broadcast every week at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash rpgamer, um, or at, uh, live.rpgamer.com. And, uh, yeah. That's it. Thanks, everybody, for being on. Um, Kelly, Jonathan, Alice, Anna Marie, Simon. Oh, wait, that's my cat. And you, dear listener, who's been listening at home. Um, I want to know what everyone's going to be playing next week before they go. What's your JRPG July? Well, I guess. That could be our question of the week. (laughs) Mine, apparently, is Sweet Odin. Um, Yep, or two, if you want to do two. Because I will be playing more South Park. I know that. Um, Jonathan, what are you playing this week? Ogre Battle 64. Ogre Battle 64. Yeah. That's your focus. Kelly, what's your focus this week? Oh, she stepped away. Alice, what's your focus game for this week? Uh, I'll be Super Bowl Wars. Super Bowl Wars. All right. And Anna Marie? Um, To be determined. And that's a lie. Because I know exactly what me and Anna are going to be focusing on this week. This week is Summer Games Done Quick. It starts on Sunday. That's tomorrow at like 1130 Central. So Summer Games Done Quick. It's going to be a week-long marathon for... Who are they doing it for this week? Is it Doctors Without or something else? Anna doesn't know. 
Hold on, I'll bring up the site here. Uh, they do it for charity. Um, you may have seen one of the Super Mario Brothers 3 speedrunners on Stephen Colbert's show last night, um, where they were talking about the event and showing him steam, uh, doing speedrunning, which I think is so awesome that the community has now gotten onto that. Kelly, will you be running, uh, watching Games Done Quick this week? Um, if I can... I do like watching those, but sometimes I like waiting until they hit YouTube so I can kind of rewind and see what they did. Okay. Fair enough. Um, and, you know, they start, they, they're doing a better job of posting like very shortly after the events are done. So you can kind of do that throughout the week. So um, get into the games done quick thing. Everyone go donate. What are they? Who are, let's see. Did I find out who they're doing? Yeah. This is Doctors Without Borders. So this one. Um, you can go to Games Done Quick if you want more info, and they'll be streaming starting tomorrow. Kelly, what will you be playing this week? Uh, more Wild Arms 5. I might dig out my GBA and do that five-job yeah. jam thing, because that, that, that sounds like a lot of fun, and I'm just... The five-job jam is... That sounds like a great thing, but this is the four-job fiesta, just so you know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm kind of intrigued to see what the five job jam would be for because that sounds awesome too. Maybe, That's a good name. <laughs> maybe tactics. All right, the five job jam and tactics. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. yeah, there you go. All but, right. Yeah, I'm uh, having trouble trying to find something portable to play, so maybe that'll kind of mix things up a ton. And with that, we're going to call it for the week. Everybody enjoy Games Done Quick, and we'll see you next week. Um, your uh, your question of the week is, how will you be celebrating JRPG July? So uh, let us know. Podcast at rpgamer.com and the forums. And 608 See you next week, everybody. Till then, have a happy 4th, happy Canada Day, happy whatever you're doing, happy British Apocalypse. Happy We Aren't UK Day. Yeah, happy We Aren't UK Day. So, bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye-bye. Thank you.